It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I don't know that. But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, like he know that wrestling bro. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What is up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 271 of the Straight Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer, and we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight, another Patreon request on this here episode for a deep dive. What are we deep diving into? Like I said, it was requested by one of our patrons on Patreon. It is No Way Out 2001 from the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, took place Nearly 20 years ago, we're a couple weeks out, it happened February 25th, 2001. But yeah, we're going to dig all into it. It's the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania 17. We got a big main event with The Rock and Kurt Angle. A big grudge match between Triple H and Steve Austin. And a whole bunch of other stuff. We're going to dig into all of it. Every single piece of it. And we're going to, you know, throw in some current day talking there as well as we go along here. But before we dig in to this fantastic show... Let me do my weekly check on my main man, Pots and Pants. Nick, how are you doing tonight, my good brother? I'm quite a bit sore, you know. Yesterday was a hell of a day trying to shovel my car out. Uh, which, by the way, I shoveled two parking spaces. I'm in an apartment complex, so it's like a parking lot. I shoveled two spaces because uh, a, a nice little old lady got stuck while I was shoveling, so I helped her out. So I wound up, when she finally got out, I just shoveled that space. And of course, two other cars are now in my spaces after I had to leave. But whatever, that's here, they're near. That's, a, that's a damn shame. That's, that's 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 how it is, I guess. But that's I'm grounds a, for a fight. <laughs> well, they were both women, so I don't. I'm uh, I'm just gonna let them let them have it. And then once I, you know, I'll keep an eye on it, and once they leave, I'll uh, I'll get my space back. <laughs> they got, they got sons. You could you whoop their ass or something. <laughs> they might. Or husbands. They might. <laughs> but uh. A little sore, so I might need to do a lot of stretching uh, during the course of this, and definitely my body's not used to that <laughs> recently. So, yeah. Other than that, I'm great. We, yeah, we've been we haven't done a whole lot of physical activities in the, in the last twelve months or so because of the pandemic, I would assume. But you know, for those that don't know, we, you know, we both live in Philly, and we got hit with a snowstorm Sunday, the, the day of the Rumble. It came yeah. down pretty good. Um. So I'm sure it canceled a lot of people's Royal Rumble party plans, especially <laughs> mine. Um, so yeah, uh, we got hit with a storm. Fortunately, my apartment complex has maintenance people around yeah, a lot, yeah. so they shoveled for us because I was not about to shovel. Not a, not a <laughs> damn, not a, not one snowflake of snow. They do, <laughs> they do good with the sidewalks around mine, but uh, the parking lot, you're on your own. <laughs> That's wild. That's like you would think that'd be. A priority as well because people got to get out of the parking lot to go places yeah you would think they would get like a truck or something and come in and shovel some snow i even shoveled a 
uh, pathway to the sidewalk from where I was parked because there was grass in front of me. But I even did that pathway. And, of course, you know, once people see it, that, you know, the work that they didn't do, that they just... Because a whole bunch of spots are not shoveled. People just move their car or try to get over the humps and whatnot. You know, that they just mm-hmm. decided to take their chances. Uh, very few people were out there with shovels yesterday. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, it's v- very much a pet peeve of mine. Uh, it's like, okay, well, if you can't do it, get someone else that can. You know, pay somebody that can. I just, I don't understand yeah, it. Yeah, like, especially if you, like, live in a neighborhood with, like, row homes and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I, like I said, we both live in apartment complexes, so it's a little different like do you wait for the maintenance people to do it for you or do you do it yourself but like if you live on a block with people and row homes you got to get out and shovel your stuff or like you said get somebody to shovel your stuff you got to shovel a path in front of your house like and if you're nice enough you might do you know because i know i live in a house where the steps are combined so you do the neighbor steps because it's all you know all connected so but you may not do their path though in front of the gate or nothing like that <laughs> yeah. well, i'm gonna do mine but y'all gotta do yours still. But I do the steps because you're right next to it. So, but yeah, that's just being a good neighbor. Being plus, you don't want to get sued for somebody slipping on some ice in front of your house, yeah. bro. Like, yeah. to protect yourself, protect others, shovel your snow. Unless you're like me and you live in an apartment <laughs> where the maintenance people are gonna do it for you, then you don't lift a finger because they're gonna do it for you. And I was so, out there for like an hour, or fifteen minutes, and right. Like I ha- I've had my shoveling days, bro. Yeah. I've had my shoveling days, and they're, they're hectic. And it I sucks. even, uh, I was at a point where, like, I couldn't just back up and do what everyone else did and uh, just pray that my car gets over these. My car, I, I have a small car, and it's not going to get over those uh, big mounds. So I had to cut down those mounds, cut down the ice. I literally made it so there was literally no snow. It was just, like, street behind my car. And even next to it, I did, like, half of the person next to me and then on the other side i did that entire uh, spot once that lady left but um of course you know the minute i go to duck and donuts to get my coffee come back <laughs> like, watching you what is going on here man they're looking oh. through the blinds like he's gone <laughs> go get it i was like man in that 20 minutes unbelievable what kind of shovel do, do you usually wait until all the snow has fallen the shovel, or do you kind of shovel multiple yeah, times? Sometimes I, it can happen, like, you shovel a little bit when it first hit, right. but it's still coming down, so you got to shovel again. But then if you wait too long to shovel, it's now it's icy, and it's right. harder to shovel. Now you need, like, a metal shovel and, you know, all that. What, mm. what, what, do you, what is your strategy, typically? It generally depended on the storm and the forecast. Okay. If uh, This one was kind of hard to gauge, because it was even snowing today, for God's sake, a little bit. Yeah, I saw but that. It, Some blurs coming down. Luckily, it wasn't sticking, but... Uh, you know, ever since Sunday night into Monday and then, you know, Tuesday, uh, I this storm particularly, I was just like, I'll wait till it ends and then I'll shovel my way out. Luckily, I can work from home virtually. So shoveling, you know, my space out uh, wasn't that critical, I guess you could say. But at the same time, I want to be able to, you know, have my car be able to go places, you know, in case of an emergency or stuff like that. So I waited towards the end on Tuesday. So I had parts on Sunday before the rumble. Actually, I actually went to Little Caesars, got my pizza. Yeah, I went to Little Caesars. Uh, I know that <laughs> may, may offend some people, but... Um, Why would it offend some people? Because <laughs> they hate Little Caesars for some reason. I mean, I Little know. Caesars it's is... Good. It's, uh, it's I like it's, it. It's my okay. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's not terrible. It's okay. But, 
I got, you know, me and my dad some dinner. So that's that's what that was. And nice. it was kind of like a couple hours after the snow started. So the parking lot wasn't in great shape, but it wasn't terrible. So, you know, I got home. It was before, you know, the spots were starting to be taken up and everything like that. So I was there for two, two and a half days <laughs> before I decided to shovel. So, Man. yeah. And, I mean, it, there was a lot because the plows usually come after the snow is dissipating a little bit. So I had a like a mound behind my car and the and that whole section, which you know I kind of expected. I wasn't like angry about it, but what I was angry that you know people took advantage of it. You know, it just kind of annoys me. And I yes, I don't have a sign, you know, parking here, but at the same time, like I left for twenty minutes, man. Like you saw geez. me working hard on this spot, yeah, right? Maybe I was they... out there for. I mean, when I was out there shoveling, there were people out there, like we this. I have a long stretch. There's a long winding stretch. So up near the hills and whatever, there were people shoveling. Down near me, there were a couple people shoveling. I mean, there weren't a lot of people out there, but no, enough now, people, you know. Do you have the same spot usually? Even though, like you said, it's not assigned to you specifically, but do you usually take the same spot just because people know, like, oh, this is your spot? Yeah, like- I mean, I did, you know, when I moved in here last year. And, you know, recently I've decided to actually – park across the street just because those spaces are a little bit wider and you have a little bit more room between like door to door with the cars when you open your door so i started parking on the other side um but you know for the snowstorm i parked back uh, where i usually parked and where i could just look out my window and see my car from my apartment and uh you know that's kind of what i do now i it's further away from my door but you know i I can walk you know there there are some older people around here that probably could benefit more from you know being closer to uh, the sidewalk instead of having to walk across the street but at the same time the people that took those spots are not those older people that would have benefited from damn you (laughs) even if you are older damn you (laughs) i remember I, i went out like three times after that today go shopping or whatever get that done so i didn't have to do it this weekend and every time i passed that car i was just like man i ought to slash your tires <laughs> jeez <laughs> i did not do Take that to the next level now <laughs> they're never I, moving out that spot oh you want that spot huh you can have it you can keep it forever or you're gonna you need some new tires yeah, it, in, huh? literally like even at my old apartment complex you know my mom had when she drove and she had her car you know i, I would shovel both of us out we usually parked right next to each other or a spot or two she had the handicap spot and there were two there so she would park in the first one and then the other one would be for our neighbor and then i would usually be that first one uh after that and i remember i would shovel all three of our spots when it was snow and everything like that so i guess i'm used to that so this is the first time i had to do it around here and the neighbors aren't exactly the same so there you go. Hard to find some good neighbors out here, man. Yeah. Be hard to find some good neighbors year, out here. Even after a year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, shall we jump into No Way Out 2001? We can. That's, yeah. 2001. Sure, what a year. I have an f- interesting story about No Way Out oh, wow. that I literally just remembered, but it hit me and I was like, you know what? This is a good story to tell. So my mom bought this. I remember I told you about how WrestleMania 15, my mom didn't order it and I cried. <laughs> As a, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. I was 10 years old 
cut me a break. Oh, man. I'm so that was 99. For some reason, didn't order WrestleMania in 2000. But we did order Backlash, which was, the, in hindsight, their smarter decision. <laughs> because they're a much better main event. You didn't order WrestleMania the next year either? Oh, my goodness. No, but it got Backlash. It was weird. <laughs> it's funny how that worked out. <laughs> Don't know why that happened. But in 2001, by this point, I'm 12. And I don't know why my mom propositioned me with this, but she did. She's like, all right, I know there's a show tonight. There's a pay-per-view tonight. You can have this one, or you can wait until WrestleMania. And the decision wasn't even like, I didn't even think twice. I was like, I'll wait till WrestleMania. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's the biggest show. Why would I not? Why would I get greedy? If I was greedy and dumb, I would have been like, yeah, I want to watch what I can watch tonight. And then miss WrestleMania. Which in hindsight was like the best WrestleMania of all time. But smart, you know, I was still very clever and smart even as a 12 year old. I know that's, that's wild <laughs> to think about. But I was like, no, I gotta see WrestleMania. And little did I know, like I said, I didn't even know that was gonna be the show that it was, but it's just, it's the biggest show. So this is the show I skipped, No Way Out 2001. <laughs> but watching it in hindsight, like, oh, this is a pretty good show. And it's just like, Damn, WWF was pretty good <laughs> at yeah. this point. Like at yeah. late two thousand, like they were good. I think throughout two thousand, at different like different bits and pieces. But I think they were doing pretty well even in this point, uh, two thousand one. Uh, but yep, No Way Out two thousand one took place February twenty fifth two thousand one at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, home of the UNLV basketball team, former home of the. Arena Football League's Las Vegas Gladiators. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. You know, you know I got to go there. <laughs> but do you know who is a famous UNLV alumni that has a Philadelphia connection? Jason Avant. No, he went to Michigan, bro. Come on. Yeah, okay. Well, let's try. So I'm pretty sure he did. Randall Cunningham, man. Uh, I know him. I know him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, 15,223 people were in attendance, according to good old Wikipedia. <laughs> good, good old reliable old Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, all reliable. And like I said, this is the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania 17. And it's a big show. Usually you get to these shows when it's like nowadays it's like Fast Lane or Elimination Chamber. You're like, all right, let's just get it over with. Come on, let's just go. Let's just go. Just, nobody cares about this. But No Way Out 2001 had some stakes. Because on top of the card, you had The Rock and Kurt Angle for the WWF Championship. And in a, in a semi main, you had the three stages of Hell Match Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H. Finally, we get the climactic end to this. Years long feud by 2001, mm-hmm. you know, from '99 when Stone Cold got hit by the car, even though I don't think WWF even knew who was going to be the, the wheel man or the person behind it, they just had to get away to get Steve Austin off TV. But then, all the way until when Steve Austin came back in like September 2000, 2000, I believe, and they kept that going up through No Way Out in February. So, uh, let me ask you though, Nick, where were you in life? And in, in February 2001, do you remember? Because like I said, I was 12. I guess I would have been in sixth grade maybe and smart enough to know that WrestleMania was a much bigger show <laughs> the next month. But what about you, sir? Sir Nicholas? I, uh, you know, in this Attitude Era, I, it's harder for me to kind of remember 
Uh, I guess because since before that, it was really the only thing I ever paid attention to. So I remembered, you know, where I was at home. I remembered school, what grade I was in and this. So now we're at the point where I really have to think a little bit harder. Uh, So like February 2001, I had just started my sophomore year, September 2000. So it was my sophomore year. So February, I was probably... If my sophomore year was crazy, man. I had like three different girlfriends, but they were like they lasted for like two weeks. So Damn, you was out here <laughs> big pimping, yeah. huh? That was it. That was it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be life. But nah, it was just my sophomore year. <laughs> like it was just that. Um, Damn, Nick, he was the man, so, huh? <laughs> it was very weird. It was very. I remember one uh, one lady came over for the NHL All Star game, so it was probably around this time. Uh, maybe uh, it was usually around February, the their All Star game. So, yeah, we watched the NHL All Star game at my house. <laughs> my parents were like, "Okay, we'll stay upstairs." So yeah, when, was, when you're uh, when you're fifteen, sixteen, that's like that's a big deal, bro. It was a big deal. Watch, we we didn't have a basement, game. like we didn't have a separate room we can go in. Obviously, I wasn't allowed to bring anyone in my bedroom. So it was like we can have the family room, and then my parents would, you know, just kind of stay in their room for a little bit. Until the lady We're going to watch so. Keith Primu real quick do his thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, what is funny is it, exactly like a sitcom. She, we sat on the table. and We had that coffee table in front of our couch. We sat on the table. I meant we sat on the couch. We had that coffee table. I'm about to say, you better, know, you better not have sat on that damn table. <laughs> Somebody, Mama Bacona whooped that. You on, my, you on my glass coffee table, boy? Wait, how'd you know we had a that, glass That would have been the last we saw of you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the last we saw of you. Yeah, yeah, no straight shooters at all. No, there wouldn't have been a straight shooter if you sat on that damn table. First, but, uh, I get this girl on my house, this little girl on my house. Now she's sitting on my table. Y'all got to go. <laughs> she uh, decided to put her leg up on her leg just to like kind of switch her sitting position. So when she lifted her leg up, she hit the coffee table and. Oh. Made a really loud sound. It didn't break, yeah, it but aches. oh man, it was Ooh, just exactly that's... like a sitcom. Man, it was hilarious. Yeah, but puckered for a second. Oh, <laughs> yeah. did you just kick my mama's coffee table? Not my mama's coffee table. I got my magnifying glass out just to make sure there were no, scr- <laughs> no scratches in it. <laughs> Immediately windexed it. Like, oh, we're, yeah, we're about, about to go to True Value. Maybe you'll notice it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh. That's funny. Yeah, it's. It, it, I was around. It was just a weird time in my life, and uh, this like wrestling was awesome. You know, I was like, man, I'm like growing up in this era of wrestling that's just like phenomenal because everyone that I go to school with loves it. You know, I didn't have that years prior. You know, <laughs> even in the mid '90s, no one liked Doink. I don't know why, but no one liked Todd Pettengill. I just didn't understand it. But <laughs> didn't yeah. <understand>. Every, <laughs> This would have been, you know, like the next day at school, it would have been like, yo, did you see No Way Out? Like, what do you think? So, yeah, it was definitely an interesting time. Those were fun times where you can talk about wrestling open and outwardly with everybody instead of people talking about like, yeah, I used to watch it. <laughs> that's pretty much what they, that's the extent of the conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. oh, yeah, who, The Rock. Yeah, who, yeah, Who's Bad Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Bro, I have started on this. Oh my god, well, dude! Don't get me started on <laughs> how how wrestling fans we can't take y'all nowhere. <laughs> we can't take y'all no because y'all always embarrassing us. I used to get that speech a lot when I was a kid from my mom. Be like, don't you know? I'm gonna take you over this yeah. place or wherever. Don't be embarrassing me. 
Don't be going out to go to the grocery store. Don't be embarrassing me. Go over to a friend's house. Don't be embarrassing me. That's you better the, listen. You better know what you're doing. That's the you most know. hilarious thing because I would like do something or say something and then look right at them to see their reaction and be like, oh my God, did I embarrass you? I'm so sorry. Like, exactly. It's so, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you really think they, in that moment they're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the that's what we got to tell wrestling fans. When we take them or I guess we, we brought the pop culture to them. We should have had the don't be out here embarrassing me conversation. But instead, we did not. And I failed. We failed. I think collectively, as the wrestling fans who know about Bad Bunny and other things in pop culture, we failed, y'all. We apologize. Because we should have had that conversation. Because y'all straight up embarrassed us <laughs> from Sunday to Monday. Now here we are Wednesday and still getting embarrassed. Because y'all don't know who Bad Bunny is. Or I don't like his music. You you don't like any hip hop, then I guess, or any type of what? I look, I, I go all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, we got embarrassed. Yeah, we got embarrassed, bro. <laughs> just say you not. Just say you're not cool or hip. Just say that. Don't so, blame Bad Bunny for having the most being the most streamed artist of 2020. Don't blame WWE for getting the most streamed artist on TV. Just blame yourself for not knowing. And not doing one Google search. That's all you gotta do. Blame yourself. Just say, hey man, I'm out of the loop. Don't judge either party involved. You can judge WWE for numerous other things, not for getting bad bunny on TV. And doing spots and stuff. So yeah, I'm done no, for now. I, I agree with I'll you. Talk about and, uh, David Marquez, I'm friends with him on Facebook. He is um, an owner and president of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and he like posted something Sunday night that I agree with a hundred percent, and it basically said you not knowing. And there was a lot, I guess, a lot of people obviously like who's Bad Money? This is so stupid. Blah blah blah. And David Marquez wrote, "You not knowing who Bad Money is is the reason wrestling will stay archaic." <laughs> Thank you. A lot of people were were upset at him. Because oh. it's I, true. It is. Got, it is. And I actually. Go ahead. No, I, I actually replied to him because uh, I saw a lot of people that were like going at him for that or just saying like Bad Bunny's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Well, I replied. I was like, a lot of people replied to this not realizing they're the out of touch ones. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's what? We've been talking about it for months and months. I feel like for, for yeah. years now yep. on this podcast. There is a bubble. The bubble, though, ain't as big as you think it is. Okay? Wrestling is the out-of-touch thing. That's why I've been talking about pro wrestling is to get more hip. We're the we're the goofballs who still watch it. <laughs> like, and, hey, it's great. We, we love it, and we embrace that to a certain extent. But also, you can't, you can't be in one breath, knock WWE for record low ratings, but then also... Knocked them for getting the most current popular artist, one of the most popular artists today on the television. We're not talking about a guy that was popular 20 years ago. We're talking about a current star today who's as current as it gets. They're trying to get new fans in with this guy. Like, hey, Bad Bunny fans, come watch us. You like Bad Bunny. Now, will they stick around and see the rest of the show? Probably not because WWE isn't good. <laughs> That's WWE's fault. But you can't also blame them for bringing in the guy like Bad Bunny. That's like if you get he's like he's on the same level as far as like I'm gonna say on the same level, but like as far as like notoriety, like numbers for social and streams. Drake, 
Beyonce, like all those top level Taylor Swift. If you can get Drake on your TV, you get Drake on your TV. <laughs> like if you get Beyonce on your TV, I'm gonna Beyonce's the queen. Like she's the best of you know one of the greatest entertainers of all time. But if you get if you got a chance to get Beyonce, you get Beyonce. You make a role for Beyonce. <laughs> like and the same goes for Bad Bunny in twenty twenty one. You make a role for him. Because he's got legions of fans of all different types of nationalities and ethnicities and different countries, different genres of music, different backgrounds. Are you serious? Yes, every single time. Get Bad Bunny on your TV. I'm not saying you gotta make him world champ. Get him on your TV. <laughs> Get him on your TV. Yes. It's like wrestling hasn't done this before. Cindy right. Lauper was 40 years ago, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, they had limp. I saw somebody, and I'll talk about it later with Just Incredible. Somebody replied to one of his tweets about this. Like, remember when they had Limp Biscuit? That was cool. Like, you talking about Limp Biscuit, bro? Oh my gosh. You mean a band that was out of what was watched like 15 years ago? When was the last time Limp Biscuit had a song that was popping? Like, it's been over a decade. No disrespect to Limp Biscuit. They had some bangers 20 years ago. Right. But where they utilized what? them, you know, when they were hot. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And when they weren't hot, they, you haven't seen them on WWE TV since. <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing live concerts for The Undertaker's uh, theme or anything like that. Nope. They'd rather <laughs> just play his old song over and over again. You just, just play the just play the, uh, the, the old, go to old Undertaker music for The Undertaker because Limp Biscuit for what? <laughs> like, come on, exactly. man. So this, and, it, and it, it ties back into No Way Out. When, again, like you said, at one point, wrestling was very popular. Not just amongst us wrestling fans. The the couple million or so that watch every week, you know, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT, it was popular amongst the masses. People knew who Steve Austin was. Like, case in point, No Way Out 2001. Busta Rhymes is at WWF New York. <laughs> Was he? Yeah, he, was. he was nowhere near the show. He was just at WWF New York. You know why? Because it's a place for him to be seen. That's how popular wrestling was. He wanted to be attached to WWF, right? Not the other way around. Yep. Now, if there was Buster Rhymes today, Buster Rhymes would be in the ring, hip tossing somebody, <laughs> because WWF would be like, "Yes, thank you, a mainstream star that yeah. wants to yeah. be a part of us. Thank you, thank you." Like, this. You see how that's different? You see how how the shift that's happened with Buster Rhymes would be the most notable name on the show, even though, and another disrespect to Buster Rhymes, when has he been at the top of the rap game? When was the last time that happened? It's been decades, probably. If you be honest with yourself, it's been a while. Even though Buster Rhymes is a legend, done a lot of different things. He ain't the Drake, he ain't popping right now, Drake and the, the baby and guys of that stature. But they would kill to have Buster Rhymes on TV right now. It's different. It's just a different time, man. Yep. So get out of that damn bubble. Please, wrestling fans. I'm begging y'all, man. There's other things. We don't have to just watch wrestling. And also, if you're not into hip-hop and stuff like that, don't disrespect it. I'm not into like country music, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's just trash music. People really out there love country music. Don't disrespect the hip-hop type of vibe. That's just not your cup of tea. But also, you can help yourself. Just one Google search. Who the hell is this bad bunny, dude? Like, Look, me and Nick, we're both in our 30s. All right, we are not part of the hip generation anymore. <laughs> like, like, that's just yeah. not where we are in our, you know, fandom, in our age. We're not part of the hip group. The only reason I knew of Bad Bunny 
like the name was because the Booker T song was like <laughs> all over Twitter, right. and it was my wrestling fandom that brought me to that. So that's how out of touch I am. Like I, I don't mind admitting when I'm out of touch. Like <laughs> you know, it, it's other wrestling fans seem to, but you'll find out. Admit that these wrestling, these same wrestling fans who think Kenny Omega is like the epitome of cool, think the Young Bucks are the epitome of cool, are going to sit here and tell me the Bad Bunny isn't. You think you thought y'all used to like Joey Ryan? I didn't forget about that. Y'all used to y'all y'all used to y'all used to love some Joey Ryan, but gonna judge Bad Bunny. But like 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 I was saying though, me and Nick, you're what thirty five, I'm thirty one, and even though we might seem young and cool and hip, we got to keep up with this stuff. This stuff ain't easy to keep up with. It ain't like I'm creating the cool stuff. It's just part of my job is to like be in tune with what's going on in the world, so we can try to. You know, hop on those bandwagons. That they, but the, the people that's making the cool stuff are much younger than us. Like, in their fifth, like 15, 16, 17 years old. Yep. And I'll admit, I'm too old for a lot of stuff. I don't get everything. But I, I'll try to learn. Right. See what the hell's going on. I, I don't, I can tell you right now, I'm not familiar with Bad Bunny's full catalog, but I know who the hell he is and what his significance is. It's that simple. It's that simple. I'll tell you. This pay-per-view, No Way Out 2001, might have been the biggest that wrestling bubble ever got because it's it's the last pay-per-view before WCW was bought by WWF. Yeah. So this might be 17 was this, the peak. Yeah, this might be the very last one that that bubble was so big. I, I guess you can include WrestleMania 17, but one of the last ones where that bubble was so large, that wrestling bubble was so large because there were casuals in right. it and people... Like you said, Buster Rhymes wanted to be a part of WWE. It wasn't like WWE reach, reaching out to him, be like, "We need you." It was like Buster Rhymes was like, "Yo, I need you." <laughs> That's right. what it was back then, and it has been like that since. So this this era of this pay per view we're going to be talking about was probably the apex of that wrestling bubble. Right. I guess some people are too young to remember this stuff, which is wild to think about because this was only twenty years ago. But we lived through it. Yeah. Like we remember when wrestling really was on the tip of everyone's tongues. And the and internet. As much as it's the cool internet helped today, that too. Right. But as much as it's still like wrestling has, there are great things about wrestling that exist today. I think some of the, the in-ring stuff is the best it's ever been. I think the Attitude Era stuff should be should stay in the Attitude Era. But that doesn't mean that it's as popular as it ever was with the fans. You might like it, but I don't mean your whole block like it. <laughs> you know, for well, if you're having a Super Bowl party, there's going to be 20, 30 people there. If you're having a WrestleMania party, you have to call people like, hey, you want to watch wrestling today? Like, you, you know, you're not, not going to invite everybody because not everybody's watching. They're like, I'm not sitting over your house for four hours watching wrestling. What? <laughs> so... Just, well, I just want to like, recognize well, that. We prob- love wrestling as much pro- as anybody. It's probably closer just to recognize five or six that- hours. Oh, then I'm hell not coming. Oh, that's true. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But just recognize that this thing that we love, and we love it. Don't get, me, don't get us wrong. That's why we talk about it every week. But you also got to face reality. <laughs> like, and no, we're not necessarily the cool kids in, in this situation. 20 years ago, at No Way Out 2001, we were. The cool kids were talking about wrestling. 2021, a little different. Things have changed a little bit. And it's not necessarily 
it's partially it's most it's partially wrestling's fault because wrestling hasn't you know kept those fans around. But we also closed off wrestling fandom to a certain to a lot of people too. Like oh, you know, yeah. unless you oh, know yeah. about this, are you really a fan? Like a lot of gatekeeping in wrestling fandom. Yeah, I, I even saw a meme and I forget who posted it. I wish I remembered. But it was like it might have been David Marquez actually, and it was uh, a guy holding like a cartoon, but it was like a guy holding a knife, and then like just somebody, another person looking at him, and the people holding the knives were wrestling fans, <laughs> and the other person <laughs> just looking at him were casuals, and it's like yeah, we don't yeah. want you. It's like well, <laughs> they do it to themselves. And don't make fun of, don't make fun of WWE when they nobody watches the show. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. It's, it's a lot of things at play, so just keep up with stuff that's going on in the world, please. Thank you, wrestling fans. Don't embarrass us like that no more. <laughs> it's a poor reflection upon all of us, not just you. Hmm. It's upon all of us. All right. New Way Out 2001. Again, Thomas and Max in Las Vegas, Nevada. Last pay-per-view before two, WrestleMania 17. Also, I didn't know here, just piggybacking off of what you said, Nick, like the bubble for wrestling couldn't have been bigger. And I said the same thing pretty much. Like the WWF couldn't have been hotter. Like, it was the Thomas and Max and it was sold out. WWF New York was packed, even though, yeah, they eventually lost some money on that and had to sell it. But on this particular day, the building was packed full of people, like, to watch wrestling on TV in, a, in an establishment. Even if it was a WWF establishment, that's still a big deal. That probably happened in bars all in multiple places in the country. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, how you say it today for UFC shows or big boxing shows... I'm pretty sure WWF had this day too, where bars around the country were filled up with people to watch pay per views, and this was one of those days in 2001. You get to the show opening, and that opening signature they had during the attitude there—I don't know if it's particularly good or not. It's just maybe it's just nostalgia for me. I always looks like that signature, that little thing, and then it says like with the graphics, and then it says WWF attitude at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was okay, one of the, I, it's one of the, the only ones. sound effects. I can't really describe it. Yeah, it was like uh, the things that they did, and it was almost like you had to pay attention to it to understand it. They weren't telling you. It wasn't like a regular opening, like for 50 years, the revolutionary mm-hmm. forces. Were, it wasn't like you weren't being told yeah. that. It was like you had to decipher if they were trying to send you a message or not. It was just a like cool opening. It was like, hey, we're the worldwide leader, and they flashed like graphics and words and that was it i was like yeah this is cool <laughs> right it just felt a little cooler it felt very of the times i guess and there was a shift you know they went from that like you said that for 50 years the the, the greatest force or whatever they would say <laughs> to just like just a simple not really simple but because there's a lot of going on but it fit the time uh we get to the opening video package and it was a lot more of triple h and austin than the rock and kurt angle mm-hmm. did you notice that i did I did. It was almost like it was like, Which, I mean, hey, we have Rock and Angle. They're fighting for the title, but hey, here's Austin and Triple H. <laughs> what you really came to see. <laughs> Which I guess is like sort of true. I mean, that match got a lot of time. We'll talk about it. And it was the end of a long feud where the Rock and Angle wasn't really a long feud. It was just like, hey, I'm coming for the title. Right. Okay. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> and they had a match. Just what happened, it was the main event. But the I mean, even- Triple H and Austin... No, I was gonna say even Rock's promo before the main event, you know, basically, that it wasn't like his regular promos. It was just like, "Hey, 
It's time. It's like, oh, okay. Time's up. Your your reign is over. Done. (laughs) There's no more I got to say about this. Nothing else to say. Yeah. Yeah. We get to the pay-per-view, and they play the song, the, the theme song for No Way Out. And it's really... It sounds very familiar, and if it sounds very familiar, it's because it is familiar tune. It's just Jim Johnston's kind of version of a song called "Machine Head" by Bush. I don't know if you knew that, Nick. No, I did not. <laughs> okay, but I well, do. I like Bush. Bush put out a song in Bush the put out this song in 1994. Even even back in 2001, they were using songs or using types of songs from a, a previous era. <laughs> this came out during like the grunge era. Of '94, uh, but you hear that song and it sounds like oh, God, it's a very recognizable song. Jim Johnson just kind of remixed it or something like that, I think, and then, then they use it for this. So there you go, some little trivia there. Uh, also, I loved the Rubik's Cube kind of thing, yeah, that the, was the, cool. the animation for the logo. I don't know if it made any sense for No Way Out. Maybe just like you can't figure this out, some type of thing. <laughs> But I thought it was dope, though. For 2001 yeah. especially, like I thought it was great. I thought the same thing. It stood out to me. I don't even remember that, watching it live. I, you know, I, I rarely watched any opening from a pay-per-view live back then. I was just kind of like, because oh, I was on the internet a lot. And, you know, on like chat rooms and stuff and talking about it. And I would mainly just pay attention to finishes and stuff like that. You know, I didn't care about the actual match or... The, anything before the action started really you know so i wasn't paying attention to this back then but for this deep dive i was and i was like man i never noticed that before that is actually pretty cool i thought the same exact thing yeah i thought it was really dope i said like i said especially for the era where they weren't doing that that was just dope like the animation mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's just a cool mm-hmm. little creative thing and they were shifted around i thought it was really dope uh the show was sponsored by wider sports nutrition yeah, I ain't never sure. ever heard of that. Nah, me neither. I did not. But it still have, exists. I did not pick it up. I did not look it up or anything like that. So I did look it up. It still <laughs> it still exists. I'm not sure oh, if it's wow. a big time company or not. But the fact that they had to go to wider sports nutrition for a sponsor is point like exhibit A as to why they went PG eventually, so they can get <laughs> bigger name sponsors and not have to rely on wider sports nutrition. Yeah, that was weird. So. I didn't know what the hell that was. Usually it's like the candy bars, like Snickers yeah. or Lugs Twix and... <laughs> or a, a call number, like 10, 10 to 20 or something like that. Like we just watched with the Royal Rumble, I think it was 99, right? 10, yeah. 10 to 20? Yep. 1-800-COLLECT <laughs> or whatever. But this is wider sports nutrition. Who the hell are they? I mean, we don't, we don't clearly, don't, we don't work out a whole lot. We don't take supplements, <laughs> stuff like that. So, <laughs> so if you are in the sports See, nutrition game, GMC. they might be a big deal. GNC would have made sense. But I was like, what? That's true. What? It's a, we sound like wrestling fans talking about Bad Bunny. What the <laughs> hell is that? I don't know it, so it can't be popular. What a stupid name. Right. But, so it might actually be a big time company in like nutritional game, like, you know, a supplement game. I'm just not aware because we're not in that. <laughs> the bodybuilders are like, you guys in your stupid wrestling bubble. <laughs> Get out of your bubble. <laughs> Get out of your fat, not working out bubble. <laughs> you don't know about wider? What you mean? It's the goat supplements here. <laughs> I have no idea, fam. My bad. Probably got like millions of Twitter followers. Hey, they probably do. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. 
Again, we're just out of touch of at least the nutrition game. Nope. Uh, we have no idea. Was it wider or wielder? Wielder? I don't know. Oh, like, okay. Wider. Wow, it was weird. Twitter populated the wider nutrition. To with, wider nutrition BV. I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah, and it's there's no results at all. <laughs> Nothing. What the hell? But I did find wider nutrition. <laughs> yeah. They do not have millions of followers. It not. has... 9,600 followers. <laughs> Who, who's it followed by? <laughs> I see that? Richie Rizzotti. Oh, the Ryback. Who's that? Ryback follows. Him. Oh, of course. I don't I don't follow Ryback on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, their the last, last tweet, though, was 2018. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so yeah. Well, for, nearly se- for nearly 70 so, years, you're providing the, the world with the best health products and slash supplements. Okay. They haven't tweeted though in two years though, three years. There you go. Wider. So we see how easy that was, wrestling fans. We didn't know about something, and we just say, you know what? We're gonna look it up, and f- and, and and you know, and enlighten ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's not that hard. That's all it took. It's not that hard at all. We didn't even use Google. We used Twitter for that. <laughs> it's true. Try to gauge just how popular it is. And they, they looked up Bad Bunny and saw like 2 million people. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, what a stupid name. Like, they, they have to find some avenue to just crap on it. Man, it has 2.6 million followers. And like, man, <laughs> no one knows who this guy is, though. <laughs> okay. All right. So, look, we was out of touch on the supplement thing, but we, we figured it out. We're, we're caught up now. On the supplement stuff. Uh, on the call, though, we got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Funny thing about Jerry Lawler, he would leave the company soon after. Yes, he would. Because after the match that they had later in the night, we'll talk about that in a second, but WWF fired his wife, who was a cat. <laughs> Just like that. Straight fired her. This is his uh, second yep. to last show For- with the company before that. Second to last? Okay, cool. I, I was wondering if he was on Raw the next he, night. He, he was. He was in like a tag team match. And then that whole situation that well, I guess we'll talk about later happened the next day. Okay. So she gets fired. And then out of protest, uh, Jerry Lawler quits. Yep. And he's gone. For the majority of 2001, pretty much the rest of 2001, I think he came back after the Alliance storyline was yep. over. That, uh, so that after Survivor night. Series. Yeah. Yep. Right, he finally came back, but Jerry Lawler quits, and soon after, Paul Heyman takes his place. Uh, even before the Alliance storyline started, he called WrestleMania 17 yeah. with Jim Ross. So, this is Jerry Lawler's final pay-per-view before quitting the company and then coming back eventually. Uh, but yeah, that's a little interesting tidbit there mm-hmm. about Jerry Lawler. But we'll open up the show with a hardcore championship match. We got Raven... Defending his title against the Big Show. <laughs> Before the Big Show can get, even get to the ring, he's got a masked woman in all black in a ski mask looking like Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell attacking him on the stage. <laughs> and he just shrugs her off easily because it's this tiny little woman with a 2 by 4 attacking a 7-foot-tall, 500-pound monster in Big Show. I think it's still a mismatch, even if she is wearing a ski mask. Yeah. But do you remember this woman at all? I don't... If, did they reveal who this woman was I at any point? I mean, they didn't 
at this pay-per-view, but I have no, no recollection of this. I totally forgot Raven was part of the company at this point. Even though we oh, did WrestleMania 17 before and he was there, like I just yeah. totally forgot because for some reason I always thought he came in with the like RVD and Tommy Dreamer, but mm-hmm. no, nah, he was here before that. He was a WWF guy again uh, during the height of the Monday Night War. So well, maybe not yeah. the height, but towards the very end. So yeah, he was yeah, yeah. and like I said, he had the match at WrestleMania, the Hardcore Title, Triple Threat. One of the actually the one of the surprisingly good matches on the show like that was one of the more memorable matches from that show you look back at that show like oh yeah i remember there was driving the cart around the stadium <laughs> but then aew did it and everybody forgot about oh, that man and then they saw roman reigns run over kevin owens yeah. at the Royal rumble it was like what the hell is aew did it first it's like no yeah. no no this is how wrestling fans continue to embarrass themselves we they embarrass us, bro. Is we a this, part of this? That, that yeah, yeah. I feel like Roman Reigns. Like, don't you go out here embarrassing me? Like, if he says something to you, <laughs> it's right. a reflection upon me. Now you gotta fight him. That's a good point. <laughs> like, That's a good point. Right. Yeah. This is Roman Reigns right now. Right. <laughs> it's like, bro. We saw this before. The the, the go kart, the, the golf cart thing isn't exclusively AEWs. Anybody could use it at any point. Like, it's okay. It wasn't even they don't have WWF. So I remember. You know, people were talking about, like, way back in the 80s, or maybe it was the early 90s that was happening. Uh, you know and, what? Because like, golf carts other are promotions. a thing. So, yeah. Right. Golf carts are a thing. that You think that's the first time somebody thought to use a golf cart <laughs> involved in an angle? Stop it. Like, come on, man. Things get copied and redone all the time in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Look at the moves people do. <laughs> like, yeah. like, come on. You got Kevin Owens using a stunner every single night. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Roman Reigns using the spear. You know what I'm saying? Like, stuff gets copied sometimes, man. Not everything is wholly original. And you can, and you can never do it again. Like, <laughs> all right. Nobody cares about the golf cart thing with Matt Hardy. <laughs> Nobody cares, bro. Nobody cares. Oh, he, you know what? It's funny, you know. Not like, that many people saw it. Because yeah, it's wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it was a pay-per-view. Only we saw it. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's the one that tweeted it out, too. So, obviously, he was trying to probably just he's, poke some fun, try, wanting yes. the attention. And, obviously, you know, people latch onto that either Matt Hardy so got, against it or so for it. And he knew what he was doing. Matt Hardy got money to count. <laughs> he got yeah. babies to take care of. He got another one on the way. He got a pregnant wife right now. He got enough stuff on his plate to be worried about the golf. They use a golf cart. No, he was just he was just riling y'all up. Yep. And it worked. Because yeah, he, he knows worked. y'all better than you know y'all. <laughs> Damn, man. He, he ain't worried about that. He probably like both guys. I'm like, yeah, do it. <laughs> I'm glad they did it. It's dope. It was funny. I thought it was hysterical. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta rewatch that. I haven't watched it again, but that that was one of the funniest moments to me. I mean, it wasn't meant to be funny, but the way Kevin Owens took that bump, oh man. yo, he took a hell of a bump. Up. Took a hell of a bump. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Uh, who else? No, who else took a hell of a bump? The popcorn guy at, at No Way Out 2001, <laughs> who eventually t- was revealed as Crash Holly in a wig. <laughs> yeah. But he attacks. <laughs> he, he attacks Raven, and then out of nowhere, Steve Blackman and Hardcore Holly comes out. Yeah. They're fighting with people because this again, this twenty four seven rules. 
You know, yeah. this is before the 24-7 title. It's the hardcore title with 24-7 rules, which was a genius concept back in back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, just the WWE Odyssey is still running where obviously with the 24-7 title. It was just it, it was original back then. And it still kind of works. Like, it's still, it's still kind of funny. You got Peter Rosenberg winning the title. I know wrestling <laughs> fans is mad about that, boy. And yeah, then people I mean, saw, like, this is like the, 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 what was it? The the Dragon Gate title? Or was it Dragon Gate? The heavy metalweight title they had? I forget uh, what promotion that was. It was an independent promotion. That. I don't know if it's Dragon Gate or Chikara or something like that. I forget off the top of my head. Uh, somebody out there will correct me. But uh, they was doing it for a while and people just winning the title and stuff like that. Random people. But it started with the hardcore title back in 2000 when people just run into matches and all of a sudden there's six people in this match, including, <laughs> you know, Billy Gunn who runs in, hits yeah. Raven with the Famouser, and then wins the title. The one but then, Billy Gunn. <laughs> the one, yeah. <laughs> the um. one Billy Gunn who went from challenging for the Intercontinental Championship at Armageddon to just a couple months later just running into a hardcore title match. Um... But then the, the popcorn guy or Crash Holly tries to pin <laughs> Billy Gunn. He kicks out, right? Uh, but for some reason, he just didn't want run away. <laughs> he just kept fighting people. Which yeah. is like, why would you do that? You're the champ. Get out of there. Yeah. yeah Get on out of there. That's weird. And then Big Show cleans house. But then that allowed Raven to pin Billy Gunn to win the title. So we got three title changes, or two title changes already. Then Crash Holly tried to get back in there. He only got a two count. And then (laughs) Raven's Ninja Woman, as JR described her, the lady in the ski mask, came back to the ring with Molly Holly. Then Molly Holly hit hit her in the head with a trash can. It was so much going on. It was. It was. And then Big Show chokeslammed Raven onto a trash can to win. The title says so three title changes here. Then Big Show and Billy Gunn botched some type of spot together. They're trying to do something. <laughs> Didn't work out too well. But eventually Big Show got out of there as the hardcore champion. And that's your opening match in No Way Out 2001. It was, it was a mess, but it was an entertaining mess. I kind of dug it a little bit, which... I'm surprised I did, and uh, the popcorn just laying all over the mat cracked me up because like it was <laughs> on there for like most of the match after Crash Holly came in, and uh, you know I don't even remember if they mentioned it was Crash Holly, but I knew right away like what was going on. And, oh uh, yeah, with Hardcore Holly coming in, but uh, cracked me up. I thought it was hilarious, and Big Show with his you know 397th wrestling tights or whatever, look whatever he had <laughs> wrestling like, attire yeah so it's just <laughs> weird i was like what is big show doing and it wouldn't be another question i had for him uh this pay-per-view is this he mm. was in a weird spot he was in a weird spot very weird spot uh yeah we're gonna talk about it but um the hardcore title is a lot of fun at least back in the day they're not gonna do it clearly they're not gonna do another hardcore title that they could have brought it back they just made it a 24 7 title okay uh but when crash holly had the belt and he was just running away from people in different places that's some of the best tv in wwf history i don't care what nobody said when he's in the hotel room trying to escape yeah. or he's in the kitty land he's going down the slide that's classic television right there that can never be replicated 
and it sucks because they probably could have done some stuff like that in 2020, but of course the pandemic put a halt to a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. and if they did want to get creative, when they did, you know, kind of they got our troop to mess up Drake Maverick's wedding, uh, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Um, he snuck in on Rosenberg on the, on his radio show and, and penned him live on the air. Like, <laughs> you know, some funny stuff that happens. Our truth really makes it. Like, that's what really yeah. what it comes down to. Like, that's what really, he really makes it funny. Probably the only reason why it's still around. Cause that's probably it's, why he's, you know, it changes hands so much, but it often goes back to him. <laughs> like, always right gets away. back to our <laughs> Because for who else needs to carry it for more than like a day? Like it's our truth's belt. Like he'll lose it in a funny way, and he'll get it back somehow. <laughs> I, like the only weird thing I have with it is why are you running in to the ring like during a match? Like, are you? Uh, like that's the only thing. I'm just like okay. But <laughs> Came down. They did it in the rumble. The rumble. The women's rumble. <laughs> I lost it to Alicia Fox. That's classic. Yeah. That's what I'm That's so funny. Our truth makes it funny. Makes it work. Yeah. He came to the match. He came to the women's rumble. Like, yeah, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> then he lost it <laughs> and got it back. Oh man. So that's 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 good stuff. I'm here for. That's that's yeah. so funny because our yeah. again, our truth makes it that way. Uh, not an original concept, but it still works. Uh, after the match, we get to a limo pulling up in the I guess the garage area of the arena. In the parking lot, and out comes Kurt Angle from the limo, pulling up in a stretch limousine. He gets interviewed by Kevin Kelly, and he said that Vegas had the highest percentage of losers in the country. I don't know why I thought that was funny because maybe it's because the way it Kurt Angle says true, things. Because look, betting is probably true. <laughs> That's true. No, actually, you're right about that. <laughs> Think about it that way. We would just lose every day there. <laughs> That's what keeps the town going. Exactly. Everybody losing. But it's just Kurt Angle's delivery. This is the highest percentage of losers (laughs) in the country. He's just (laughs) such a dork. But he made it work so well. Because he's still a badass, too. Yeah, like he backed it up. You know, it was great. Like he can can act goofy all he wants, but like he would whip your ass, you know? (laughs) Legitimately an Olympic gold medalist. And would probably tear most of the people on the roster limb from limb and they gave him a chance that's right you know like legitimately not a joke shout out to him by the way with him and conrad's newest podcast look angle show so right that's that was was out of nowhere i'm gonna get the show yeah i have free shows but i'm not a member but i will be listening when it is available on my feed which it is now so on my commute I shall listen. Dope. So. Dope. Cool. Shout out to Kurt Angle. Yeah. And, and Conrad Thompson, by the way. Yeah. Next match on the card, we have a fatal four-way for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Chris Jericho defending against X-Pac, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit. Four great wrestlers in one match. And as expected, we got a great one yeah. between these four. A great, good one. A very good one, I should say, <laughs> between these four. Uh, first thing I wrote down was that I loved Eddie Guerrero's music at this point. The Latino Heat and the beat would drop. He had some dope music in WWF. They did a, they did right by him. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it. dope. I yeah, yeah. So, and then you know eventually we get Guerrero and Benoit in the ring together. They're working together because they're still part of the Radicals, and it's got me to thinking. It's like, damn, obviously they're both gone. One in a 
tragic way as far as like just you know you wish that person wasn't gone another another tragic way but a totally different way in that what they did was just terrible and and horrifying but it, it just made me think about like you know how things could have been differently if like because what i didn't know until recently until the, the dark side of the ring documenting was how much eddie's death affected chris benoit it's like what would have happened if eddie let's say eddie was still alive to this day would right chris still be normal would he you know or would he inevitably still would have went down that path mm-hmm. of destruction which he went down or let's say if eddie Guerrero had passed away unfortunately which you know obviously would, would actually happen but what if what if he actually got some like some help some counseling some some you know some professional help of, to, to some grief counseling to help him get over the fact that his best friend had died like cause clearly it affected him to the day he committed you know yeah. murder and killed himself committed suicide so it's got me thinking like damn like what if obviously if because you know nowadays mental health is a big issue it's a hot button issue that people are talking about people are not afraid to talk about but in 2001 or 2005 when eddie guerrero died i should say it really wasn't you know still like a, a thing that people really didn't want to talk about people didn't want to go to they call them shrinks or psychiatrists because oh i didn't think i'm crazy but like Nowadays is a little different. People still have that mentality, um, but yeah. it's it's not as much as it was before. Yeah, you know? on, even on that Eddie tribute show, uh, you know Benoit sobbing while he's giving his you know interview about Eddie, it, and people were like, "Man, that really that must have really hurt Benoit." But then they expect him to be normal the next week, you know? Like they, you know, back then he didn't really, still didn't understand in two thousand five, like how to cope you know people like it, it's an easier conversation now just because we're out there but still like everybody deals with that differently so um yeah. you know people just saw what benoit's reaction was when he was like sobbing in his interview when eddie passed and obviously like to me i'm like man like he's not gonna get over that you know even in 2005 right. i'm just like man there's no way you it, never it, get it, over it, it you know my mom passed away i'm never gonna get over that it it becomes right. how do you cope with it so right and in reality eddie guerrero did unfortunately pass away and benoit and, it's, and unfortunately it sent benoit down a downward spiral to, to him committing an unspeakable tragedy and killing himself and you would think like things like things were different. Things would have ended up differently, like you know, different circumstances. But it, you know, it is what it is. It's a shame, yeah, though. It's crazy. It's not even not even two years later. You know, from yeah Eddie's death. So yeah, it's a shame. It's mm. a real shame. But back to this match, though. One point where Eddie Guerrero and Benoit take time to fight each other in the ring. You hear Jericho yell, "Take your time!" And he rolls out of the ring with X Pac. And they did take their time. <laughs> like, they had a, a lengthy time there where it was just Guerrero and Benoit hashing it out in the ring there. Um, and then you get Jericho and Benoit in there. And I wrote, like, man, they had a long-ass feud in 2001. In 2000, I should say. That really didn't culminate until the Royal Rumble the month before. When they had that ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship that Jericho won. That's why he's the champion on this night. And but they had like the match at Backlash. I think they had a match at Judgment Day. They had multiple matches over the course of two thousand on pay per view, and ran it back again at the Royal Rumble. And then after WrestleMania, they started teaming with each other, 
and they won the tag titles on the night that Triple H tore his quad, and then they were the tag champs, and there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, but <laughs> they had a lengthy, lengthy, they had a lot of matches together in 2000. Um, another thing I noticed, I, I love the spot where uh, Jericho just putting everybody in the walls of Jericho. He just, oh, your turn, and then puts him on the ground and puts <laughs> yeah. him in the walls. Yeah. And everybody just runs up on him, he just dumps him again. Here we go again. It's like the old school um, walls, too. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. Except uh, you know, X-Pac, I don't think. He was like a Boston Crab, but still. Right, so I thought that was fun. Uh, eventually, Just Incredible comes out to help X-Pac. Uh, he was part of X-Pac's little faction called X-Factor. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, the coolest faction. <laughs> yeah, all right. I this mean, is why I had like that thought in my cold. head that X-Pac sucks. You know, I remember when you and Brian got on my case years ago at the Wildfire Studio where I was like, man, Xbox sucked. And you're like, what? 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 <laughs> and it was the, my recollection of Xbox was this era of Xbox. You know, I wasn't thinking about 123 Kid or even 6 and WCW. I was like, Xbox with Just Incredible and Prince Albert, it, it, he sucked with them. And that was my thought, uh, like what I think of him. Not anymore, thankfully, because, you know, I've watched a lot more stuff of his uh, prior to this. But this era, X-Pac, I was not a fan. I mean, that's fair. This era, it wasn't. They just ran out of out of, out of ideas with him. Like, X-Factor with Justin Credible and <laughs> Prince Albert. Like, in 2001, that had no juice. Like, I'm sorry. That is not like, the wave. So, and these guys coming from ECW. ECW was on its, I think, in, on its last legs. Uh, they were still a company, but by by this point, everyone was jumping ship, and it was just like nobody, nobody seemed, I don't know, important. I guess like Raven here was okay, but just incredible. Like no one cared about him. <laughs> Man, Vince McMahon saw just incredible. It was like, oh, Aldra Montoya's back. Hey, how you doing, baby? Welcome back, Aldo. Hey, hey, what? What's your new name? Justin Incredible. Is that your real name? That's your, that's your shoot name? Shoot name. <laughs> I got to tell you, I when I first heard that name in ECW, I thought his first name was Just, and obviously his <laughs> his last name was Incredible. I didn't. What? It wasn't until they put it put it on the screen where it was like Justin, and then his last name was Credible, and I'm like. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. I was like, oh, Paul Heyman's a genius. I went right to the message board. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that his name is Justin, but his last name is Credible? Get it? Wow. See, that was the 90s WWF gimmick that actually worked, you know, when it came to the name (laughs) and the character in ECW, no, no less. You know what's crazy? I think about Justin Credible's name, and it sounds like such an indie-ass name from, like, that time period. Yeah. But you know whose name isn't much better? AJ Styles. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trash indie name from well, 99, he, 2000. He didn't like but that. But he's so apparently. good. He didn't like the name? Nah, I, I, I don't know if it was a network thing I just watched. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he was ready to change that because he did not like it at all. But I'm sure I, it's I, it a just terrible stuck, name. Yeah, he hated it. It's not it's not his real name that is terrible. Somebody <laughs> gave you that name. That name sucks. I can see if that was his real name, like Julia Styles, AJ Styles, their siblings. No, 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 no. That's his, <laughs> they gave him that name. 
AJ Styles. So that's a very 90, late 90s, early 2000s independent yep. NWA wild side name. That's the first time I ever saw AJ Styles. It was an NWA wild side back in the day on Channel 48 here in Philly. Uh, and, um, but it's stuck. Old days. It, he, he's, yeah, it was the good old days. I used to watch that and he used to watch CZW on Channel 48. Yeah. Yep. But, He's so good. His name, his trash name doesn't even matter. Like, it's just like, whatever. He's AJ Styles. You know, he's been on TV, WWE TV for five years as AJ Styles. And it's like, don't even bat an eye because it's just like, that's his name. But it's a terrible name. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> stage name, in my opinion. But AJ Styles makes it work. Alan Jones makes it work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right? So, same, it's, insane, it's not much better than Just Incredible. <laughs> Just incredible just makes your eyes roll a little bit because like, oh, God, okay, we get it. Just incredible, okay. <laughs> but AJ Styles, not much better. Um, also not much better is Just Incredible's tweet about Bad Bunny. He's like, where did all the rock and roll go? Oh, no. He said <laughs> I'm going to find the tweet. I had it up earlier, and I got to find it. So it was so bad. <laughs> wow. He said, I gotta find it. How are us and all the WWE legends gonna enjoy the musical taste of WWE now moving forward? I gotta find it, bro. Give me one second to find it. Because it's so. PJ, uh, Mr. Polacco, just say you're old and washed. Just just say that. Is that your response to him? (laughs) I I did not respond to him. I'm not giving him the dignity of one of my responses. (laughs) You're. Your tweets are money, sir. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, he said, let me see. Is that it? No, that's not it. Okay, let me go back a little bit further because it's it's so good, but it's so bad at the same time because why you so like this? This was, this was after his right, here we appearance go. at the Rumble. Yes, he said, I know I'm old, period, but am I the only one? I was like, wait, that should be a comment there? Maybe? I don't know. But am I the only one that does not understand hashtag Bad Bunny song? What happened to rock and roll and wrestling? Oh no! I know that sounds outdated. Yeah. Yes, it is. But there's something to there, there is something to it. Just feel very disconnected from the product. Cause you're what? <laughs> For one, why in the hell would where where's rock and roll and wrestling going? Just watch the shows. There's plenty of rock and roll on the shows. Like like I don't think there's a a uh, a lack of it. Two, yes, nearly a fifty year old white man. I know that you probably grew up listening to rock and roll, and it's great. But that the eighties were forty years ago, bro. <laughs> like I'm so, I'm sorry. Thirty years ago, not forty. I don't want to date ourselves too much, but like you know, what I'm saying like it's a different time, man. No, forty years like, ago, it's a different right. time. Forty years ago was 1981. Like rock hasn't been. Firmly at the top of like the music business since like the mid nineties, <laughs> like. <laughs> I, so, yeah, just say that you're old and watch, bro. Rock and roll and wrestling, like. Okay, let's bring back Cindy Lauper then. Like, <laughs> no disrespect to Cindy Lauper. <laughs> no disrespect to her. She's a legend. Deserves to be in the Hall, WWE Hall of Fame. But like, is that what you want? Like, what are you talking about? Let's get Motley, Motley Crew back. Oh yeah, let's bring White Snake back while we're at it. I, he might not even talk about grunge. <laughs> Do yeah. he like grunge? Do you like Bush? Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> but yeah, that's that's my just incredible talk. Mm. So, at the end of this match, though, Jericho found a way to win. He rolled up X Pac. 
and retained the title. But it was a fun match while it lasted. It was, yeah. it was a fun uh, match. I enjoyed it. He hit a lion salt. That's great. That's great. Um, did. Uh, I found it funny. There was still popcorn uh, on the mats on the outside of the mm-hmm. ring from the first match. I was like, man, they, they today they would not leave anything out there. <laughs> like, can't imagine what a gold dust return would do when they drop gold dust oh, from no. the like. Oh, they would get that out of there at the oh, commercial no. break. So, I always had an <laughs> issue with like that back then. I I, always, I don't know. It was like a maybe an OCD part to to my viewing where that would just annoy me because like, man, you don't clean after matches. Like, get that popcorn out of there. Come on. You got brooms, like ooh, you're just swept the ring, but you're not sweeping the mats outside of it. Like that's that's clumsy. I don't like it. Get the popcorn out of here. Yeah, get it out. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we get to Vince McMahon's office as he's talking to Commissioner William Regal, <laughs> and Vince is telling him without actually telling him, like you know what I want, right? And William Regal's like, uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, then you go out there and do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. What I want you to do. Because this is in reference to the fact that Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon's daughter, is going to have a match with Vince McMahon's quote-unquote good friend, Trish Stratus. And this, of course, is the time where <laughs> Linda McMahon was comatose. They had met, you know, drugged her up. To where she couldn't even speak words. And then Trish Stratus became... Oh, this is also when Vince wanted a divorce, too. So Vince is single, ready to mingle, and he hooks up with Trish Stratus to be his special friend, see? That's what old guys call it, I guess, when they're just a sugar <laughs> daddy. But she's just my special friend. That's all. But, um... So Vince, without saying what he wanted, told William Regal, you know what I want. <laughs> And Regal's like, all right. <laughs> like, so that'll be coming up in the next match. But before that, we get a Raw on TNN ad, which was part of the ad was them saying that Raw was the most popular show in cable television history. Mm. Think about that, folks. Mm. Today, Raw is trash <laughs> like, I don't think it anybody was Raw's War like, in 2001 it was Raw's War 2021 it's war. Raw is trash Raw is trash y'all it is trash you think like that seems like a lifetime ago where Raw was the most popular show on cable yeah but it was at one point yeah, it was wrestling going, is falling it was off going bro. head to head with you know comedies like everybody loves Raymond which is awesome I know <laughs> It was beating top flight shows. You know that there were a lot of Monday like shows. Was it like Celebrity Deathmatch on Monday? On, <laughs> like uh, go head to head with some of these big. I don't specifically remember. I don't. Yeah, maybe I'll. Maybe I Celebrity Deathmatch was just but. just a show that would just come on TV and I would just watch it. Which is what a wild <laughs> show that was. Celebrity Deathmatch. Well, Steve Austin, I think, made an yeah. appearance on multiple of those shows. Austin and McMahon was. I like taped to that. <laughs> I was like, I need. <laughs> I couldn't wait. Like my, all my VHS, you know, in somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big deal. They had these celebrities and they would kill them. Like they would die. Yeah. It's called Deathmatch. <laughs> they would get blown up and stuff. They would have dialogue and everything. Stuff. It was great. <laughs> 
it was wild. What a wild show that was. That took, I'm pretty sure it took a lot of time to make because it was that, that stop motion claymation yeah. stuff. But we may what need a great to do show. It. We may need to do a deep dive on like the Austin McMahon one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually down for that. That would be such a wild thing. Celebrity deathmatch. What a time that was. Uh, another thing that makes you think, like, what a time this was. They also had a commercial for WWF The Music Volume 5. Yeah. <laughs> have how many of these WWF the music CDs did you get back in the day? All of them. All of them. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, I had the first one, the third one, and the, no, I had all of them. All of them, man. I remember when the the first one came out, it was like full metal. I was like, okay, like whatever. And they hadn't they didn't come out with the second one for quite a while. I don't I don't think after that, and then. Or at least it felt like quite a while. I mean, maybe I got it after it was released. But then I think starting with the third one, I got it right away. And the fourth one, I got it right away. Then the fifth one, I got it right away. So I would have them like part of my collection. I'm like, yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> I might, I have all these VHSs, but I also have all these CDs. I got the ECW album too. It was crazy. Which is full of all licensed music. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Full of all licensed music, <laughs> of course. Didn't they put out a CD with like it's like a DVD of like all of the videos? Like they put for like you know each guy had like their own Titantron video. Yeah. Didn't they put out a video of like a? I, I want to think they did of the DVD of like the videos with the music playing in the background. I don't know if they I did or not. I have no idea. But if they did, oh, I would be very mad at myself that I did not get it. <laughs> right. I remember actually wanting that one. But whatever. I didn't have any of these. <laughs> I didn't get any of the oh, WWF, no. the volume. Not even like a stocking look, stuffer? Oh, man. No, 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 no. Oh, well, look. CDs were expensive back then. This is 2001. And CDs were like $20 a pop if you wanted to CD. It wasn't cheap. You only going to spend $20 on WWF CDs gonna be like Jay Z or yeah, Ja Rule or something like that. Like two, 2000, 2001? No, come on. Nah, that wasn't happening. Not in my no. house, at least. <laughs> like I said, Jay Z or Ja Rule or something like that. Dr. Dre, who <laughs> was popular in 2001. Ludacris, well, somebody went, like that. I went, I went to South Street one day, and I, I think I remember. Well, I went with my sister and her boyfriend at the time, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get like a wrestling CD," but I wound up. Uh, walking out of, I don't remember if it was Tower Records or like another record store, but I walked out with the DM DMX album. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Instead of getting DX, you got DMX. <laughs> nice. That's right. That's right. Which one was it? Was it? Uh, uh, let me see. Was it then? Then there was X or Dark as Hell. That might be. Yeah. Uh, then there was X. That sounds familiar. Okay. Was it Blood of My Blood, Flesh of My Flesh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood? He put out two CDs in a year. I just know DMX had two albums in one year that both went platinum. And it was like, wow. Jesus, it's dark and hell is hot. That's the one I was thinking of. Okay, Flesh of My Flesh or whatever. Oh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. That is a CD. Both came out in 98, bro. That's wild. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah, What's My Name was popular around that time. Uh, so, all right. I have, have it up on Wiki. These are the two... Uh, it might have been three tracks that I listened to almost repeatedly. On Then There Was X. Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. On Then There Was X, it had to be, you said, What's My Name? Yeah. Party Up. Not that one, actually. What? Uh, Party Up was like the big radio hit he had. It was, it was that, but that, I that wasn't, wasn't feeling it. And we still played at the Eagles games when we scored touchdowns. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> ooh, I don't know then. Uh, that's a tough one. Three songs, so I got oh, one. Right, well, uh, it might be two. Right, go ahead, you can you can say them. It was just uh, one more road to cross. I was like, yeah, man, uh, that was mine. <laughs> one more road one to cross. One more road to cross. Uh, oh man, take. Yep, that was it. Oh, here we go again. Go the- here, there it is. Here we go again. Was the other one? Oh, uh, okay. Here Did we you go, go with again. the Cisco song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's my sponsor man singing it. <laughs> just did DMX impersonation on this show. Was that not on good? Episode two seventy one of this podcast on February the third, twenty twenty one, Wednesday, February the third. You just did that DMX impersonation. You never thought you would hear that, did you? No. Let's mark it down. Mark it down for posterity. <laughs> this is what happened. Nick did his best DMX impersonation. I have to forward that to Brian. It sounded like What's, uh... Cookie Monster instead of DMX. <laughs> Here we go again. Oh, my God. Same old <laughs> shit, dog. Just a different day. <laughs> stop it right now. Please stop it right now. I'm mad you bought that from a Tower Records in 2001 or whatever, 99, 2000. Yeah. Remember record stores, yeah. by the way, like Tower Records, oh, yeah. like Sam yep. Goody? It was funny because it was the first time I've ever been in one. And, oh. you know, my, my sister and her boyfriend at the time used to go to South Street all the time. So they took me this one time. And, you know, we. <laughs> Reluctantly, <were> re- I'm sure. <laughs> well, actually, I think it was their idea. I was just like, oh. I think my sister wanted, like, I was growing up a little bit, and she was like adultish. So, I was like, let's see if like we can try and have somewhat of a friendship <laughs> type thing. Um, but that was one of the only times we did, you know, hang out back then. So, mm. went to South Street Tower Records. South Street, or like Fye, you could listen to like yeah. part of the song yes. in the store. Yeah, I used to go there, Sam Goody, all those stores. Kids don't even know. I went to I went, Fye was even when I was in college, like 2007, 2008, 2009. Yeah, actually, I, I do remember going more t- to there than Sam Goody once, like I started realizing what Fye was and when it was in the same malls that I used to go to frequently. You know, I would mm. search them out and be like, "Oh, let me stop here." So they had, a, they had a Fye in Indiana Mall in Indiana, Pennsylvania, where I went to school, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And I remember going up there a couple times, and because you know there aren't too many malls in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Oh wait, there's only one mall, it's Indiana <laughs> Mall, <laughs> and um, a couple of other like you know, uh, I guess you call them strip malls, like plazas. But yeah, FYE. Uh, but back to WWF the Music Volume Five. Uh, it also came with what they call an enhanced CD, which contained. The Rock's custom internet browser. <laughs> I was wondering if I missed something. I was like, wait, did I just hear a custom internet browser? So it was a separate CD that you had to put in your computer so you can load the Rock's custom internet browser. If anybody out there <laughs> has this, I would love to see it. What the hell did the Rock's custom internet browser? Because I, like, so, I don't know if people fully understood what a browser was back then. Because now <laughs> that I know, it's like... 
<laughs> so it was like Google Chrome, but with like right. the, the Brahma Bull instead well, of that, like the, the dude, color wheel type of thing. exactly what I'm thinking. Or that or uh, <laughs> like Netscape Navigator instead of the N. <laughs> I used to, it's like the Brahma Bull or like, <laughs> like you google something he just cusses you out for googling it or something like that or i guess it wouldn't be google in 2001 maybe if there's like an error like a 404 it doesn't matter what you try to <laughs> right to like go to what is this internet browser oh here come there the police <laughs> here we're talking about the internet browser too much oh that is too much i i, I totally i must I remember rewinding it, and I was like, how do you get the custom internet browser? But I guess you said it came with a different CD, so uh, that's probably how they yeah. loaded it. I was like, wait, like what? Yeah. I, my internet browsers were Internet Explorer and Netscape Navigator at this time. Netscape Navigator. That's the, you're talking about a blast from the past, boy. Yeah, Netscape. Man. Wow, what happened to Netscape? <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool seeing and that end, like, seeing that end animate, right. you know, when you were when it was loading a page or something. And do people even use Internet Explorer anymore? Uh, I mean, I don't, but I did use it a couple oh, years ago for, like, streaming because it actually was uh, pretty more... What's the word? It was, like, smoother, I, mean, I guess, than right. Chrome was at the time, but in 2021... I feel like... Chrome is, but... It's on PC still, uh, maybe, but, like, people probably just get Chrome. And now, or like Firefox, the newest micro micro soft. I was gonna say microscopic. Like what? Come on, Nick. <laughs> uh, the newest, like the newest browser is like Microsoft Edge. So I don't know. Oh, like, I haven't used that one. Yeah, me neither. But I've not used that one. So. No, Chrome, Firefox, and that's pretty much it for me. I'm, I'm I use Safari here and there. I have to, but mm-hmm. haven't used so that's that's the uh, the, the Mac uh, right. browser. It's called Safari in haven't used that really you know a lot since college so right but yeah the rock had his own custom internet browser how about that yeah <laughs> interesting in 2001 <laughs> but back to the matches here we got stephanie mcmahon versus trish stratus and i wrote that this match got eight minutes for which female is more than dominance in the wwf which is a lot more, which is even a lot more than most women's matches probably got in WWF back in the yeah, day. Yeah, this era, definitely. And this match probably only got eight minutes because there's a, there's a McMahon involved, which meant it was a big deal and there's a lot of story behind it. But, and I wrote that WWE clearly wanted this to be like more reminiscent of like a, the cat fights than an actual match because Trish and Steph weren't really seen as actual competitors at this point. Even though Steph had been a former women's champion, but she wasn't really known as a wrestler. It's just that was her being a heel and taking the belt. But it was a match. I mean, it did a lot of stuff. You know, Steph was ripping Trish Stratus's clothes off at one point. Trish Stratus, boy, she was looking good, boy. I just got to say that. I'll point that out. <laughs> wow. Agreed. <laughs> like, you look at, like her, even 2000, was like, damn. Like, he was, he was. <laughs> It was bad as hell. Um, but yeah, this match got eight minutes. Started, Steph started ripping Trish Stratus' clothes off. Jerry the King and Lawler couldn't handle himself. And then William Regal comes out. <laughs> and he knocks down the, the referee. That's great. Boom, knocks him out so he can do some illegal stuff. <laughs> so then, this is when Trish Stratus and Stephanie McMahon, they're both laying, laying down. They're both selling. 
And he walks over and puts Trish Stratus on top of Stephanie McMahon. But then he changed his mind. <laughs> so as the ref was getting up, he knocks the ref down again. Boom. <laughs> Knocked him down again. And then Trish Stratus sees this. She slaps William Regal. What the hell are you doing? William Regal retaliates by putting her in like some different type, some like neck burger type move. Bow. Now she's de- now she's out. Stephanie McMahon then crawls over and gets the win. Because Stephanie McMahon, of course, has to win. Because <laughs> yeah. it's Stephanie McMahon. So, But I and thought that was funny how Regal hits the referee once. Like, oh, wait, wait. You know <laughs> what? Never mind. Boom. And hits him again. <laughs> That's a lot going on there, man. Uh, it, uh, Regal's like, uh, mannerisms made it for me. Like It was so hilarious because... <laughs> Like once he changed his mind, he was like, "Oh, oh!" Like you could tell, like that's what was going through his head. Because <laughs> otherwise, he would have been like, "What the hell is he doing?" But um, you could tell that he, it, without beating you over the head, you know, like, "Oh my god, he changed his mind!" Like this is funny, where you don't have to be told, you know, you don't have to be spoon fed exactly what's going on. Uh, just totally because you think back to, oh, he he needs to do what Vince wants him to do, so he thinks one way, and then he changes his mind because like, oh wait, <laughs> Vince wants the other way. So it all made sense in the story, and it played out hilariously. And Stephanie, uh, I guess she won the title of the biggest trash bag hoe in the WWF, right? <laughs> most, the most dominant female in WWF. That's, that's what Tess said. You know, He says, whoever wins this is going to be the biggest trash bag hoe. Trash bag hoe, still in one of Jericho's lines. Mm. And he test was at WWF New York too, so I guess Buster Rhymes was uh, trying to get a test autograph or something. <laughs> I don't think that was the case. <laughs> no, okay, <laughs> not from Test. Rest in peace. But uh, maybe if it was like The Rock or Steve Austin, then maybe. Which, <laughs> I mean, by the way, I have an autograph from, from both of them, which is still crazy to think about. You know, picture, yeah. some, some. Yeah. And he probably asked them for the picture <laughs> instead of the other way around. It's true. It's true. You know what I'm saying? But after the match, we get an ad for WrestleMania 17. It was a very like dramatic advertisement. Yeah, it was one of watching. The, it was very different. Portable t- televisions. Yeah, watching pay per view on portable TVs. I guess it kind of made you. It's, to me, it kind of stood out because I don't remember seeing this. But it was almost like a promo. Like no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you are, you're going to be tuning in. Like these people, it's cr- crazy. It was kind of really cool. Like a different type promo from them. I don't know. It, did make it, look it, it very, struck me different. It made WrestleMania seem way more regal and like very important than it was a different vibe from what was they were showing on TV every night, which is like just socially cutting edge at that point type stuff where it's like, you know, everything is balls to the wall and it's adrenaline and it's excitement and fireworks and crash TV type style. And this was like very like slow and regal. It felt like a Super Bowl. Yeah, which, and you know, in time we'd see like this was pretty much a Super Bowl for wrestling, but it had this guy dressed up as a clown and mechanics and people in Muslim countries that the McMahon family would probably wouldn't mind seeing banned from the country, you know, stuff like that. Uh, people in abandoned cars and a guy on a on a farm, and it's like wow, for people of all walks of life, like you said, watching WrestleMania. Mm. It, was, it was interesting, very interesting ad. Of course, this show actually happened. Not like the ones where we <laughs> usually do the deep dives and we're talking about WrestleMania as it's usually for WrestleMania 7, not 17. 
and we talk about, oh, that show didn't happen the way it was supposed to, but this one did, so that's good. Um, fast forward, though, to backstage and William Regal, who is getting read the riot act by Vince McMahon, who, of course, he's mad at what he did, because no matter what William Regal did, Vince McMahon's going to be mad at him. <laughs> and he, of course, apparently, because Vince was like, well, you, I thought you knew what I wanted, <laughs> but you never told him what you wanted, actually, so... But Vince apparently wanted Trish Stratus to win because that's his good friend. He wanted his good mm. friend to win. So then he booked them and Trish. He put Vince and Trish versus William Regal and Stephanie McMahon for Raw the next night. So what a great way to like how- even build anticipation to Raw even at before your two big main events. I was like, if I was watching that, I would be like, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Like Raw's gonna I be awesome tomorrow. <laughs> I probably wasn't feeling that way even at twelve. I probably wouldn't felt that way. I'd be like. Okay, let's Hilarious. get on to the rest of the show, please. Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> You're like, I, I got star, star ratings to work. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I was. <laughs> well, at least I think I was. I don't think I was that way, actually. I probably was really excited to see that. Oh, wow. This big man's going to wrestle. Yeah, I would have been but, uh, like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, that's probably what I'm thinking. But it got me to thinking, though, like, was this around the time where William Regal joined the Kiss My Ass Club? See, that's what I'm thinking. You know, he and it's his, no the, actually. The, oh, really? He didn't join the Kiss My Ass Club until November. Oh wow! Right, I thought it would have been around this time, but well, no, not until hair, November. Yeah, his hair looked the same. And, I was thinking it been around. And, I guess he got that until good I think maybe after the whole invasion thing, because mm. Regal flipped to the to the alliance. He did, and I think to. To get back in the good graces of the of Vince McMahon, he joined the Kiss My Ass Club. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great story. Charter charter member of the Kiss My Ass Club. <laughs> yeah. I think the only person to actually ever willingly kiss his ass too. Yeah, I think everybody else is either yeah. forced to do it or just somehow got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and William Rico has a job for life. Look at that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Turns out it pays off. <laughs> <laughs> to kiss Vince McMahon's yeah. ass, literally and figuratively. You would not see a, a picture of that on the wall of his general manager's office in the next. I don't think so. I don't think so. Which he has to be the longest running general manager in the history of wrestling, <laughs> William Regal, right? Like <laughs> they just don't even care to like fire him or have a storyline with him, which is good, honestly. Like, why right. would you? You don't need GM storylines. Just come in, make a match, and get out. But like, I feel like in like Raw and SmackDown when they had general managers, they don't last more than a year <laughs> before they get fired or yep. some storyline reason they gotta go. Regal's been around since like 2013, 2014, something like that. <laughs> like, has they ever like? I wonder if they ever should bring up like a storyline like maybe he wants to get promoted to being a general manager of SmackDown or Raw. Like, he's been a general manager in NXT and it's been wildly successful. Why? Like, <laughs> doesn't he want to get promoted or something like that? Like, I wonder if they'll make a storyline out of that eventually, but they probably won't. <laughs> You're listening to The Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month 
by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of the straight shooters at shootersradio.com. Moving on to, like I said, the semi main event, but it's pretty much the main event. Three stages of hell. Steve Austin versus Triple H. It's a two out of three falls match, but with three different stipulations. The first match is going to be a good old, good old fashioned, regular catch as catch can wrestling match. The greatest right? wrestling match ever. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> they call it scientific wrestling, I guess mm. I should say. The second match is going to be a street fight. Okay. And the third, third match, if we were to get that far, the third fall would be a steel cage match. So the storyline was pretty good because the scientific encounter in the first fall was seen to be Steve Austin, not Steve Austin, Triple H's forte. He's more of the scientific wrestler. But in the second fall, the street fight was more of Steve Austin's forte. He's the brawler, right? In the cage match, if we were to get that far, I guess we're seeing this like anyone's game, right? It's even playing field, I guess. But the, the video package before this match was fantastic. Uh, in my opinion, WWF, again, they, they were hitting it out of the park with these video packages. Mainly because, though, the stories they were telling were also great. Like, this story right. between Triple H and Austin, they hated each other. And for good reason, obviously. But they really built up the tension between these two guys. In a fantastic way, you really believe like these guys don't care for each other. Then they added the stipulation where they couldn't touch each other for a while with the contract and zero tolerance policy and all that. <laughs> that was a great way to build up more attention. And it didn't hurt that both of these guys were way over. Yeah. You know, Steve Austin was obviously over as a as a babyface, Triple H as a heel. Man, they had they, they had money here. They did. They really had some money here with this. Uh during Steve Austin's entrance, Triple H made his entrance first. Steve Austin did not hit the turnbuckles. And do his signature pose. Instead, he and Triple H got to throw him blows right from the start. Because that's exactly what it should have been. Uh, because these guys hated each other. Uh, and they're throwing punches. Eventually, uh, the story of this first match is pretty much that Steve Austin was proving to Triple H how much of a scientific wrestler he can be. Um, even though he's more known more of a, as a brawler. But it's funny because when Steve Austin first got to WWF, he was known as the master of the ring. He's the, <laughs> the technician. And, of course, the character of Stone Cold and his neck injury forcing him to change that. But it's him in this match proving that he can be a scientific, you know, you know, regular wrestler, which is, again, supposedly Triple H's strength. But uh, Austin's working over the left arm. Triple H's working over the neck. So good story. You know, simple story telling yeah. there. Of course, Steve Austin had the neck surgery. So that's, why, that's his weakness, the neck. You know, so... Uh, good storytelling there. Uh, I'm, they did a lot for this first fall. Like they had, when you really think about it, they had pretty much three whole matches in one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and this one was they did a lot in this match. Fought outside the ring, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but eventually, Steve Austin wins the match that he was supposedly the underdog in. He wins with a stunner. Boom, <laughs> he gets the first fall. So Natural Blaze is in trouble because the next match is only Steve Austin's strength. And that's brawling, a street fight. Which is, you know, again, that's Austin's wheelhouse. And they start fighting outside of the ring. And at one point, Steve Austin wore Triple H's ass out with those with some steel chairs. <laughs> I mean, 
he was crushing them with these steel chairs. They looked like they hurt like hell. That was interesting to me. If you remember what happens at WrestleMania, I was like, oh, is this foreshadowing? Mm. Mm. I didn't even think about that. But there is, yeah. there, at the end of the match, when Steve Austin is looking at Triple H from the ramp, given what we know in hindsight, like was it a seed planted there too? Like maybe he gained some type of respect for Triple mm. H? And he didn't go down and attack him again. He's like, all right, I'll just leave him alone. Mm. But the way he was looking at him, it wasn't like a typical Steve Austin thing to do. Right, exactly. Usually Steve Austin attacks, he drinks beer, and he leaves. Now, of course, he <laughs> lost his match. You know, like, and that's a spoiler, Steve Austin loses. But, like, the way he was looking at him was almost like with some sort of, like, newfound respect, in my opinion. Mm. Maybe that's just me looking at it with, you know, twenty twenty hindsight because I know what happens after right. WrestleMania. They team mm. up. So, but, Wait, yeah, what? maybe they were dropping a seat there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Strange, strange to say, but, yeah, that's what happened. Um, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing with the chairs and like how he's just beating the hell out of them. I didn't even put two and two together. It was crazy because yeah. that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I was like, oh my god, he did this to the Rock. <laughs> but people are loving yeah. it right now, and then I, they were probably loving it against the Rock. But then when, I remember the crowd at, at Mania just got up when Austin just kept wailing on the Rock with the steel chair. They were like, like hissing at him. It was crazy. They weren't doing the same thing wild. here, though, because they hated Triple H. But. <laughs> yeah, they hated Triple H more than they loved The Rock. Uh, or I won't say that, but they, they didn't like, did not like Triple H. Um, but eventually, Steve Austin got his hands on a 2 by 4 wrapped in barbed wire. I guess he bought it from his good homie, Mick Foley. But Triple H got his hands on it, hit Austin in the face with it, which caused Austin to bleed. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Triple H eventually tried to get Austin on top of a table for a pedigree, and he did. Got him in position, but Austin countered and backdropped Triple H through the Spanish announce table. It's always the Spanish announce table that gets messed up. <laughs> Never the, the English announce table, which I find, that sucks. The Spanish yeah. guys need a table, yeah. too. Come on. You know? Why is it always going to be the Spanish guys? It's like, but, really? It's like, that table is your home for your job, and if you don't have anything right. to put your notes on, what are you going to do? Right, they always get left out in the cold when it comes to a table. Yeah, you got your phone. You got like other stuff that you like to put on the table. Now you got to put it in your well, pockets. Come on. They maybe didn't have a phone back then. This is still two thousand one. Well, I mean, <laughs> nowadays they might have. So. They might. There was no need for it on the desk though, because it's not like they googling something or oh, going you can on see Twitter. The time. You can see the time. That's what I do. I I try to lay my phone out just so I can see the time easily because I don't wear a watch. Mm. So. Back in the day, you had to probably flip it open or something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Definitely in 2001, yeah. Pull up the antenna on it <laughs> so you can get the best service. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. Austin grabs a beer and knocks the hell out of Triple H with the said beer. And then shoved Earl Hebner, who I know is your... I popped for that. Shoved Earl Hebner and told him the GTFO, which, you know, right. you know, the kids know what that means. That's you know what, what that I, means. That's, that's what I said, too. I'm sure that's what you said. I was hate, living vicariously through Stone Cold Steve Austin at that moment. Earl Habner had some moments on the show. We're going to talk about oh, that. I found God. hilarious. God. Listen. <laughs> I found Earl yeah. Habner hilarious in our main event. We'll talk hilarious. about it. We will talk about Is it. Is that the adjective you <laughs> thought it was hysterical. <laughs> it wasn't a good attitude from him. I just thought it was funny how it played out. But we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Earl's never going to be a guest on this podcast. <laughs> no, it's your fault, bro. I don't hate on baby Earl. You hey, do. man. Hey, man. He's banned. How about that? 
Mm. That's your call and your call only. We can get Earl Hebner on the show. You don't have to do the show. I'll do it by myself. Hey, that's fine. Me, me, me and Earl. I will boycott. I will boycott my own show. Okay. No, it's me and Earl just kicking it, talking about how much we hate you. How about that? <laughs> like, what I have I to do? turn tables. <laughs> what uh, did you do? You hated this man for how long? He probably heard this at some point. I hate that damn Nick Bacone. <laughs> I was hating on how I count count pinfalls. If he he posts that picture of me not looking at the shoulders one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Leave Earl Hebner alone. But we can't. We got to talk about him again at some point. But I wrote at this point that these guys were beating the hell out of each other. (laughs) Like This was a war. They were fighting each other in this match. At some point, Triple H... Gets a sledgehammer from underneath the announce table where JR is sitting. <laughs> and the king is like, JR, you put that sledgehammer there? <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> like, why you put that sledgehammer there? You put that there for Austin? And then JR called King a dumbass for thinking that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it funny that JR, the king thought JR put that sledgehammer there. That was really funny. He accused him <laughs> of putting yeah, the right? sledgehammer there. Like, what? <laughs> JR was like, no, I didn't put that damn sledgehammer there. Why would I do that, dumbass? <laughs> what, I walked out of it with it in my pants or something? Like, come on. Man, before the show, man, before the camera's out. We could have done it. Eventually, Triple H hit Steve Austin with a sledgehammer, then hit the pedigree, and pinned him to pick up the second fall, tying it up at one, which means we're going to the third and decisive fall, hmm. the steel cage. Which means we get the cage lowering music in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the match, <laughs> which it doesn't make any sense really in the beginning, in the middle of the match or whatever. But whatever, we're here. They did it. We well, had to see all the people help put the cage the, down. The cage doesn't move unless the music's playing, though. So. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it's tied together. One doesn't happen without the other. Can you imagine lowering the cage without music? No, no, not at all. It's connected. That's right. Once the cage is lowered and in place, Triple H begins using the barbed wire 2x4 to carve into Austin's skin, cutting him open. But then Austin did the same thing to him. <laughs> Turn the tables back on him. And JR is just watching this like, man, I just want this match to be over. Like, somebody just get pinned here. This is wild. Like, we need to go, this needs to stop. Because this was, this was crazy. This was a fight. This was dope. Triple H and Austin didn't hit each other at the same time. Oh, man. Austin has the sledge, has the two by four with barbed wire. Triple H has a sledgehammer. And they hit each other pow at the same time. But Austin hits the ground first. Triple H hits the ground second. Just what happened, he falls on top of Steve Austin. Referee counts to three. And the match is over. Triple H defeats Steve Austin. Incredible. What a great match this was. I loved it. Fantastic. It was like perfect attitude error type match. That wasn't like ridiculous. You know, it was like told a great story. Uh, kind of like, you know, Austin went in the first fall and then Triple H went in two in a row. You're kind of like, whoa, like, what's going on here? But I dug it. I dug it a lot. I mean, for one, the, the, just the, the way they broad and fought and they just did everything yeah. like mm-hmm. the barbed wire two by four the chairs the sledgehammer like it, it felt like they were really beating the hell out of each other the animosity you could feel it like that energy was palpable between them 
Yeah, even going in the crowd for a little bit, <laughs> coming back out. Like the crowd. They did, they did just, a little bit of everything. It was just so much, but it was so good. There was no interference. They didn't need you know run down. It was just them two, and they they pulled it off, man. I don't know how long the match was, but it didn't feel very long. It just felt like three was, great matches all in one. It was just under forty minutes total. So, and I know that might be long for some people, but it didn't feel like forty minutes. No, it, to me, it felt like three different stories. So almost like you right. know, it didn't definitely didn't feel like forty minutes worth. I know uh, I might get crap for this, but the tag team match, tag team title match at the last AEW pay per view was close to forty minutes, if not a little bit over, and that felt like forever for me. So it all really depends on the story that's being told. Uh, for me right. personally, you know. So even watching this mess- back for this deep dive, it did not feel like forty minutes. Just because a match is, you know, long doesn't mean it's good. Like, right. I think some people equate that, and that's not the case. And this match was, like I said, just around 40 minutes or whatever. But because every, each stage of hell, so to speak, had, like, three different tones and almost three different stories, and it just escalated. You know, they had the match. They didn't use any weapons. And then the street fight where they used a bunch of weapons. But then the cage match, it just got... There's just desperation and it's just tired and fatigue and then they both hit each other at the same time, boom, and they fall and one falls on top of the other and Triple H wins. I thought it was fantastically done. Then you had the after the match where they're both selling for a long time, which is exactly what should have happened. No one should just jump up right away and be like, "Yay, I won!" <laughs> no, you just went through three fights <laughs> like <laughs> in one night. You should be lying there for a long, long time, which is exactly what they did. Uh, they lied there for a long time, but somehow Austin gets up before Triple H and hits him with a stunner. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and the music it always like abruptly switches to Steve Austin's music when he hits a stunner. It's like you hear the, the uh, Triple H's music, and you essentially hear the record scratch. Like, yeah. Steve Austin's music now. Like, <laughs> like that's so funny to me how that happens. But did you uh, did you catch the uh, beer bottle hitting Austin in the head? I did not catch that. It was uh, they probably would have been on the mat longer, like with Triple H just laying on Austin, but Austin got hit with a can, a beer can that came flow flying oh. in the ring. Because I and saw he, Austin like shove Triple H yeah. off of him, but I thought he was just tied to Triple H lying on him. Uh, well, yeah, I thought too. Wow. But yeah, I saw it fly in, so I rewound it just to make sure. And yeah, a beer can comes flying in. I don't know, really know if it's empty. I guess it's not empty, but it definitely hurt Austin. So he shoved him off, and then just. Rolled over so he could like grab his head a little bit and gather I thought himself. That, cause I did. I did notice that trip. Like I said, Austin kind of shoved him off like abruptly. Yep. Like well, okay, right, that was kind of right weird. But, that, like yep. I didn't see the beer can. Maybe I just my eyes looked away for a second. Yeah, or something I mean, like that. listen, it wasn't. It was so quick that even if you blinked, you would have missed it. Like if you blinked mm. at that same ex- at the same time that can came into the frame, you wouldn't have seen it. So yeah, I missed it. Yeah, but that's wild. First time I even saw that, I didn't even see it back in 2001 when I watched it live. I was just like, "Oh, that must suck to deal with." If you're Austin the, getting hit, I'm sure. <laughs> Obviously, after he probably the, wasn't the target, but damn. After all you've done, and then after all of that, beer can to the head, like damn. <laughs> yeah, that's the last thing I want right now. I want a beer. I don't want to <laughs> clock yeah, him right. in the face. <laughs> but yeah, but I wrote like that after WrestleMania. It should have been Austin versus Triple H for the title. Mm. At least one match. Instead, they turned Austin heel and they teamed up. <laughs> Which, in hindsight, I think everybody could admit was a mistake. 
But you imagine if they kept Austin as a babyface, at least for a month. Maybe you don't drag it out to like SummerSlam, but at least for a month. Because again, they've already had a long feud heading into this point. But Triple H gets the win here. Austin goes to win the title. So naturally, his first challenger, with The Rock going away, by the way, because The Rock left mm-hmm. after WrestleMania. So since The Rock is gone, okay, the next logical person to challenge for the title would be the guy who beat him before he got the title, which was Triple H. And now you add a new dynamic into their feud, where it's not, it's not only personal, but now you have a title involved. And Triple H has a claim to that title shot because he beat Austin and so on. So at least for one match, I think it would have been dope to have that match. I think Austin would have retained it and moved on to somebody else maybe, but said that's not what happened. I agree, and we're still a little bit away from WCW really becoming a thing uh, with Booker T showing up. That wasn't until King of the Ring, I believe. So you're still a couple months away from that, from even WCW being featured with their new trash-ass logo on WWF TV. (laughs) The red WCW logo wasn't bad. It was bad. Nah, it wasn't worse than the the, the one that they had before that. I did not say that. (laughs) Okay, I'm just saying it it wasn't bad. It was was fine. At all. So it was fine. I definitely uh, just think like they had a a month or two of just like what are you doing? Like you could clearly have Austin versus Triple H before the invasion. Like I don't understand. And it, yeah. listen, history rewrites itself. You probably don't have that Triple H torn quad. So probably he's probably part of the invasion. You still turn Austin heel. Right. You still turn Austin Austin heel once he. Joins the alliance. You can still you could change the dynamic yeah. all over again. Yep. Where Triple H is the bad guy, Austin's a good guy. But once Austin joins the alliance, then all then Triple mm-hmm. H stays loyal to the WWF. Now Triple H is a good guy. Austin's a bad guy. Like mm-hmm. you could probably recycle that. I mean, I don't know if you want to recycle it again because we're going on like six months with this now. Right. And at that Maybe. time, it's not like you're really flush out of storylines at that point for right. these two particular guys. Like you can't do like a year-long thing with those characters, in 2001 at least. At least, like I said, we're, we're pitching it, we're kind of changing the dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where now you're throwing the belt. Oh, now you're throwing Austin flipping to the alliance, and but you're basically staying loyal to the to the home team. So that makes him a babyface, and Austin's the heel now. And, and you, you at least change the dynamics, in my opinion. Instead, what we got was Triple H tearing his quad, Austin breaking his, hurting his back really bad with Booker T at the King of the Ring. And then so he can't wrestle that much. We got him and Angle on the Alliance. And The Rock comes in, beats Booker T. And then, you know, the Alliance, you, you know what happened at the Alliance angle. <laughs> it wasn't good. It didn't work out the way everybody thought it could have. Uh, I think what we're pitching right now would have been, at the very least, just as entertaining, if not more, than what actually happened. Yeah. So, it would have made sense. It would have been. It would have been made logical sense for a lot of that stuff. So Triple H, why would he join the alliance? He that WCW didn't treat him right. They made him terrorizing. Like, <laughs> you know, like he became a star in WWF, so he stays loyal. But you know, w, Austin is mad at the alliance because or mad at WWF because they made him the ringmaster at one point. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So after that match, we get the King. He has to leave his position at the announce table because he has to get ready for a match. But before he left, he said, we got to see Cat naked. 
And then he leaves. <laughs> Mind you, this is his wife. He's seen her naked. Uh, but he wants everybody else to see her naked, too. Hey, we did. If we watched Armageddon 2000 or Armageddon 99, whatever it was. Whoa, she was, I don't remember that. She was naked. I don't think they oh, wow. They edited it out on the network, but I'm sure they on do. my VHS, Sergeant Sar- <laughs> Slaughter it. was supposed to come cover her up, but he got there too late, and she oh, no. was literally bare-breasted for a good second, maybe a little less Whoa. than a second, but, yep. Don't recall that at all. Yeah, I did not watch I Armageddon kinda, 99. It definitely is not on the network. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. sure it's not. Um, but I definitely remember seeing that, so... And I'm definitely sure remember rewinding it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Only a couple. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did your mom and dad make you leave the room when that happened? <laughs> I think, well, it happened so quickly because, you know, it wasn't like a bikini contest or anything like that. I, I, I know there was like a sort of build up to it, but it just happened within the span of like, you know, 20 seconds where it's like, what the hell's going on? So now I, I saw it. I remember like, Moving my head real quick and, you know, just making eye contact with my dad, I think. And he was like, did you see that? And I was like, see what? <laughs> I didn't see nothing of that. <laughs> I didn't see I'm, just, I'm, I'm on the internet. What are you talking about? I, I'm not snitching on myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But then, then JR goes, because <laughs> they're fighting for the right to nudity. And JR says, she's dying to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's like she's naked already in the shot. She's just putting like a robe on. Like she's, you see the shot of her bare back. Like she's naked until she puts that on. Like whatever. the story is that the cat wants to be nude on TV. She wants to sh- be free with with her body, but the right to censor, better known as you know any censor, you know organization, the FCC, or whatever. That's who they're like. The, the allegory was for you know. They were an allegory for like, you know, TV censors. Yeah, they didn't want her to be naked because they like censorship, you know. So, but before that, we get an ad for WWF Shop Zone. Remember Shop Zone, not just WWF Shop yeah. Shop Zone. Blast from the past. Oh yeah, real blast from the past. That, web- that specific <laughs> ad was a blast from the past. I remember that ad. Yeah, and that website layout. <laughs> it's like, oh, ooh, ooh. Rough. so two thousand one. <laughs> rough layout you look at that today and you're like oh my god <laughs> what is this um but then they get a, an ad for the contest that mick foley was you know promoting for the wwf fanatic series which i remember them promoting but i, I've, I don't think i've ever seen it yeah um, I it was like a vaguely remember like compilation series almost like where mick yeah. foley would host it with coach i think yeah, and, it might have been like the pay per view, right, on the pay per view channel or something. Yeah, yeah, something like you had to buy extra ten bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think I've ever watched one of those uh, nah, back in the day, but surprisingly, I it, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, I mean, she's your mom was already, when your dad was already ordering pay per views every month. It wasn't going right. to be like this yeah. extra thing too. Get out of here. But if you won this contest. You got to fly to New York, free airfare to New York, a two-night hotel stay, one free meal at WWF New York. Don't don't act like you're going to eat the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right? You get to eat free one time. You get that nasty burger and fries and get out of here. All right? 
they probably only gave them like a specific items to get to. You couldn't get yeah. like the filet mignon. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> the fanatic co-host series menu. <laughs> it's <was> like <laughs> five entrees: <laughs> burgers, fries, chicken tenders, <laughs> all separate. <laughs> Waffle fries are extra. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Like, oh god, I hate coleslaw. Yeah, I used to love it, but like once I think I found out like what's in it, and I'm like, yeah. I don't. I don't like coleslaw at all. Which is why I don't like those Pittsburgh sandwiches. You ever had to like the, the Permani Brothers sandwich? No. The Pittsburgh sandwich, their, their signature sandwich is like, like a sandwich, <laughs> but on the sandwich is like fries, meat, and coleslaw. <laughs> and it's like if you don't get the coleslaw, it's like not the proper sandwich. Like, well, I'm never gonna have a proper one because I don't like coleslaw. Mm. And the fries aren't that good. They're not seasoned. I don't. I don't like the, the yeah. unseasoned fries on the sandwich. Like, get them out. Get them off my damn sandwich. I don't yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah. That's like Earl Hebner, GTFO. Exactly, exactly. That's how I feel about it. But um, <laughs> that's just my personal taste. But you also get live event tickets. Uh, they didn't say where. I would assume it's in New York area. Mm. And you get five hundred dollars spending cash for wow. this sweepstakes. And you get to co-host the Fanatic series with McFoley, which probably ended up you just being in one thirty-second segment with right. him and getting out of town. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Moving on, though, we got Taz, who's just beginning his commentary journey in WWF. It's only it's only been a year <laughs> since he joined WWF. He's already like transitioning yeah. out of being a wrestler. Yeah, and he shows up in his fake Flyers jersey. Oh, so cool! I just I said that I was like, yeah, it always reminded me of the Flyers' third black jerseys of that era, which, which actually, was such a they. It actually became their road jersey at that time because they retired the orange, right. which is ridiculous. They stopped wearing the but, orange for a while, right? Yeah. People were pissed. I'm sure people were pissed about I was that. Pissed. I go, lo and behold, the Flyers are playing right now as we record this against the Bruins, and they're wearing their orange jerseys, their reverse retro jerseys with the black trim, actually. And that looks so cool. I miss it. Whoa. I miss that orange. <laughs> But I like the new black from the Flyers with the orange. It's like the reverse yeah. of the, you know, the the regular jersey. Yeah. But I've all, I, I don't know if I told you, but I got a black Chris Pronger jersey. Okay. From like t- 2010, from right before he got hurt. Hmm. But the black jerseys do like represent like you know the 90s when yeah they still have a black those. one, like, but uh, the the orange ones are so much cooler looking. Orange are the classic jerseys. Yes, I yeah. agree. But like. The Black Flyers jersey reminds me of 1990 South Philly. Like that's all I think about. <laughs> like back in those days when they went to the Stanley Cup in '97, man. Mm. Black jerseys. They didn't have them. Lost. They didn't have them. In, I could have sworn we had yeah. them in the late '90s. The yeah, the late '90s. I think '99. Like the first year I started watching, might have been their first oh, or second sec- year okay. with the black jerseys. I feel like they were before that. Mm, I don't think so. The last year they had the orange jerseys was 99-2000, and they wore the black jerseys, which was their oh, alternate they, at the time. They, they wore those debuted in the them playoffs. in 97. They debuted them in 97. Oh, wow. Yep. I did not the realize that. The first alternate was in 97, the black jerseys. Ah, you know what? That's right, because when they – I think there's a playoff game. They played against the Leafs in, like, 99 or something. I think they were wearing the black ones, but – they officially made them their permanent road jersey after the 2000 yeah, season. Yeah, 2000, 
2001 they did, which was like, that's a mistake. Then they <laughs> yeah. modified the logo. Remember they changed yeah. the logo slightly? Yeah, it was like a 3D logo. Yeah, that, that wasn't... Uh, hated it. That wasn't the wave. That was not the wave. And then the, the Reebok... Which that's the one that's the one in the black jerseys I got the the Reebok Edge. Oh, okay. I am not. <laughs> I'm not looking a at fan. the uniform history right now. Not a fan of those, but I got the black jersey in that, so you know, <laughs> I'm a fan of that one. And then now the current ones, which you know, yeah. they still wear, which are still yeah. dope, and, and all the variations of the Winter Classics and all that. So yeah, yeah. But and then of course, funny. like you said, the, the, the reverse retro, which is pretty dope. Yeah. I will agree. I, I do like that. It's funny because this, uh, like Taz's colors were orange and black, you know, even dating back to ECW days. So yeah. it was always like when he wore that stuff, it just reminded me of the Flyers. He's probably a Rangers fan, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe an Islanders fan. He's like, if I'm going to wear these colors, you better make sure my logo is visible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't move no damn flies. <laughs> but. <laughs> Here we are now for Stephen Richards versus Jerry the King Lawler. And boy, oh boy, Jerry Lawler and that damn leopard singlet. Looking like a damn fool in that leopard singlet. Jerry Lawler, if you don't get your old Rick James 1984 looking ass out of here, old Morris Day and Jungle Love video looking ass, get out of here with that old me Tarzan Eugene looking ass. Unitard. <laughs> what the hell was that? I don't know. That that was that was not the I'm not used to seeing Jerry Lawler in, in that. Like no 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 no. That's not the Jerry Lawler I want to see. <laughs> and all leopard? What the hell? Hey, listen. He looked like he should have been in Shalimar in the maybe, 80s. Maybe he was getting get busy before the match. I don't know. He looked like he was should have been in a super freak video. <laughs> Alright? Awful. Awful gear. The worst gear. <laughs> they probably... <laughs> I, I just don't understand it. What the hell? That is a departure from where I'm usually seeing from Jerry Lawler, at least. <laughs> uh, but this match was pretty much nothing. I mean, oh I didn't get anything God, out of this match. The ending was brutal. I mean, and then you they, see they had they fired miss, the cat. <laughs> they missed like three separate endings, it felt like. Because they... So you had Richard try, Richards tries to hit Lawler, who ducks and punches him two times in a row with the referee, like, not looking. And the third time, he, like, holds him. Like, he he's waiting for his teammate to jump in and clock him. Like, for what? Like, why are you holding him like that? And then the cat comes in, tries to hit him with the belt, but hits Jerry instead. And then he pins him for that. It was, like, the one of the worst endings I, it was brutal. Absolutely brutal. I hated everything about it. <laughs> As you should. It was bad. It was really bad. There's nothing to see here. Uh, as a result of losing the match, uh, the cat had to join RTC. Yeah, which they never said before that. <laughs> they said it after the match. Right. Like, what? But so that's why Val Venus and company came down and gripped her up and took her away. Uh, but uh, was that uh, maybe the next night was her last appearance in WWE? Yeah, she like appeared the next night as like you know, not looking great. Like she obviously, uh, almost like Marlena looked the night uh, she had to spend with Brian Pillman, 
And I'll remember she changed her appearance during that month that she was with him in that storyline. Um, this was similar, you know, her makeup was different. Her uh, look was different. She she looked scaredless. Uh, yeah, it was uh, not good. And that, that raw Monday night is when she had that, like, that was it. And that was it. She got fired and Jerry Lawler quit. And we didn't see him again until November. So I almost want to go back and watch the Raw after the week after to see like I, I totally forget how Paul Heyman was like introduced. <laughs> well like did they just go on the air and he was like, Hey, I'm Paul Heyman, I'm co host on Raw now. Like I totally forget how they did that. Because yeah, he wasn't on t- he wasn't a part of any storylines heading into this. Nope. But he was on WWF TV before this '97, though. Yeah, when they and did the ECW, ECW, then. ECW was still a thing too. So it, I was like really confused right. at the time. Because <laughs> yeah, that was probably my first time seeing Paul Heyman. Oh wow! Because I didn't really watch ECW as a kid. Mm. Um, yeah, and he was only so, on the on screen like a handful of times from when I watched it. I didn't realize he was the owner, yeah. obviously, or the the CEO or whatever the hell it was. I just thought he was... I was like, hey, I remember him from WCW. I would see him here and there. I have cards that had him on it in WCW. That's why I knew he was from WCW. I was like, ah, oh, the WCW guy. <laughs> yeah, I was I was much too young for his, for his WCW days because he left in like early 90s. Yeah, yeah. To start growing to ECW, so... But moving on, we got the World... Tag Team Championship defended in a table match, triple threat table match for that matter. Dudley Boys defending against Edge Christian and the Brothers of Destruction. I wrote down that WWF was booking matches like in stipulations like a video game. Like, oh, we're going to do a triple threat match. But what if we made it a table match? It's like <laughs> random fatal four-way for the Intercontinental Championship. It was like one of the, it's like one of the wrestling games. It just, but that's how they were booking it in 2000, 2001. Yeah. And even though it was a little weird sometimes, it still worked somehow. Like, it all mm-hmm. was just hitting on all cylinders regardless. Mm-hmm. But here we are in the match, and I wrote that Undertaker, when he made his entrance, I looked at his attire, his gear. I was like, man, he's kind of like, he's looking like Dead Man Undertaker with his gear. Like, he had mm-hmm. the tights, he had the, the kind of like tank top with the, the old school Undertaker logo on it, the TX. So he's kind of blending together the dead man gear and the biker attire. Like, because I don't remember him really wearing like the tights yet. I don't think he was right. wearing those too much. Yeah. Outside was, of the biker gimmick. Yeah. I, mean, I was I, surprised. Yeah. Because he's usually wear like pants. Like, yeah. Like long, regular pants with the biker. But then he's wearing the tights like he's like old school Undertaker again. I'm like, huh. It was kind of odd. Then he stopped wearing it. <laughs> he didn't. I don't know if he wore though that particular attire again until maybe he became the dead man again no because that definitely not in the evasion uh the whole thing like he he was back to the pants and whatever uh that singlet strap uh shirt so Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't see him wear those tights the type of tights really almost ever again because even when he came back as the dead man he still wore the pants he did but then he eventually switched back to the tights yeah that's right yeah he would get to different logos. And the reason I remember that is this 2006 No Way Out match. Kurt Angle. He was like all tights. <laughs> and that match was dope. Yeah. Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. Uh, early on in the match, 
Brothers of Destruction are doing, of course, what they usually do. That's destroy <laughs> things. That's why it's called the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah. But then the Dudley boys come out of nowhere. Well, first off, we start the match because Brothers of Destruction are the first people in the ring, then Edge and Christian, and then the Dudley boys. So Edge and Christian kind of stuck between the rock and the hard place type of thing. <laughs> but eventually, Brother, uh, Brothers of Destruction toss away the Dudley boys. They get their hands on Edge and Christian. Dudley boys come back with steel chairs. And Bubba Dudley hit Undertaker, it looked like, in the back of the head with the chair. Bow! Couldn't have felt good. Then, because there's had to be two chair shots in this little spot, Undertaker turns around, Bubba hits him in the head. It looks like he he breaks the chair <laughs> over Undertaker's head. It's like, good lord. Like, is that the person you want to be breaking chairs over, Undertaker? I don't know. Uh-huh. But he did. <laughs> it looked rough, though. Undertaker, you, you see him... Selling the you know the back of the head a little bit because I think he actually got hit in the back of the head with that first chair shot from Bobby Dudley. Um, next thing I wrote was that Kane and Undertaker were operating like an actual tag team at one point, which was fun to see. Like they were doing double team moves and stuff like that. Like, yeah, oh look at that! Like, they they don't just beat each other up. They actually trying to do like tag team stuff. Yeah, like I wrote down double power slams and then. Uh, I said could have been tombstones, but whatever. <laughs> then they did like fly, mm. flying clotheslines and double right. choke slams. I was like, okay, <laughs> All right. I don't know if they ever did Kane that had, before this or did you after notice, that. Did you notice Kane's gear? By the way, it was like different. It was, it was like all, all black, all black. The mask might have had a little bit of orange in it, but you couldn't really tell that that much. It was like all black, different. Yeah, they're trying out some different prototypes or something in the gear. <laughs> like, yeah. they never wore again. At first, I was like, is that like a faint orange? But no, it was like see-through. I was like, what? what is Kane wearing? Like, what is going on? I think they were trying out something. Because I don't know how much they had teamed up before this. Like, as, like, the yeah. Brothers of Destruction. Like, I think this was, like, kind of around the time where they really started teaming up as a team. I don't know. I don't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't obviously, they, they were together. They were running together when they were both baby faces. They would protect each other sometimes, but like as an actual tag team, how much did they work together at this point? Mm. I don't honestly remember. So maybe they were trying to, you know, maybe trying to do some new stuff because they were teaming up. I don't know. But at one point, Rikishi and Haku, King Haku, who returned at the Royal Rumble the month prior. And I guess because there's Samoan, or one of the, I think Haku might be Tongan. I don't yeah, think he's actually yeah. Samoan. Tongan, yeah. I think he's Tongan. Right. But they're Islanders, so they're all they're all together. <laughs> WWF size. They're all friends. Uh, they ran down and started beating up The Undertaker and Kane, which that was the way to get them out of the match because they probably weren't going to lose this match otherwise. <laughs> um, we'll see. At the end, it was kind of like messed up. So, Well, they get occupied by Rikishi and Haku. Meanwhile, the Dudley boys get Christian. 3D him through a table, and that is the end of the match. Dudley boys retain the WWF World Tag See, Team titles. I, I don't even know if that was supposed to be the ending, because if you notice Edge spearing himself into the table, it didn't break, and then he just kind of looked at Bubba like... That's true. Oh, sh- <laughs> yeah, uh-oh, let me just sell. <laughs> yeah. Christian, and then, I like, literally right now. after that, yeah, it's Christian through the table. It was like, I thought maybe that was going to be a setup to... A different ending, but no, it just seemed like a botch to me. So I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> maybe 
he had to put himself through the table, but it didn't work. Like, cause I don't, I don't know if putting going through the table on your own is it works. If that counts, at least back in the day, I don't know. Yeah. But maybe he's supposed to go through it. Then they put Christian to the table. I don't know. And then it was like, oh, oh well, he didn't right. go through that table. That so, be. well, we can still three D to win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh well. You know what's funny, by the way? I totally forgot Haku left WCW as their hardcore, hardcore champion. <laughs> like, he did? <laughs> yeah, he won wow. He won the title and then left like the next week, came to, to be a surprise entrant. And I remember being like, obviously I was pro WWF still back then, or uh, it never left me. And I was like, yeah, Haku's back. Now WCW is really on the ropes. Like It was like, <laughs> oh yeah. this is the nail in the coffin for WCW. <laughs> The nails were firmly in the coffin by that point. Haku had nothing to do with that, though. <laughs> but maybe maybe if you're like from the untrained eye, that was it. Because not long later, WCW got purchased by WWF. Hey, man. So maybe Haku. that was it. Ha- Haku, Haku fled the Titanic. <laughs> right. Right before it sunk. So. All right. So now we get another WrestleMania 17 ad. Same one. This time we got... <laughs> Was that? Yeah, it was the same one. I was like, what's different about this? I was like, oh, I already saw this. Nothing. Just leave me alone. <laughs> but on the back end, you got JR hyping it up. Yeah. Talking true. about it's going to be the biggest show. But in the background, you hear that damn WrestleMania theme song. Well, it wasn't really WrestleMania theme Wait a song. Wasn't it? Damn? <laughs> yeah, that damn song. It was awesome. That Who Will Survive? Like, this is for Survivor Series, right? No, that's the same. That's, see, that's the thing. The That Who Will Survive thing. The back music of that is the actual WrestleMania yes. theme song. So right, you're right. You're 100 percent right. I think but they, they were just playing. They the have theme. the Who Will Sur- Right, but they didn't have the, the 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 words over it. No, no, no. They didn't have the, the lyrics, but we all know what the lyrics are, and they're trash. <laughs> and no, they see that's not part of the original song though. They made the lyrics to be like hip, like they. I think they were playing the original original from like. The 80s and early 90s, not the WrestleMania of the album. Got you. So you may say they remixed that to put the lyrics on top of it. Yes. But the song already existed before that? Correct. Because hmm. I, I remember hearing that at like WrestleMania 7 and 8. It was like before that album came out. Yep. I'm pretty but sure you're great. right about that. But that's great. Either way, I love that. Theme. It's still that damn song. That I don't like that <laughs> it, song. Oh, really? Um, oh, the 2001 hearing that gave me goosebumps. I was like, yes. It gave. It We're was back, so baby. jarring. From <laughs> it was so jarring from what every everything else is hard rock and metal, <laughs> yeah. and then it's just da 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 da. sound like what? What kind of corny Ooh. stuff is this? It's great. The fake Michael Jackson song. They got to bring it back. No, they don't have to bring it back. Yeah, they do. But, of course, the actual theme song for WrestleMania, much better than their fake Michael Jackson song, was uh, Limp Biscuit My yeah, Way. Yeah, a theme that, uh, like a song that actually exists, not their own personal, you know, right. great theme that they made Which themselves. Which is like, if, you, if we did a list of the best theme song, paper, like pay-per-view theme songs, which we haven't done yet, but we might do in the future, who knows? Now that I'm thinking about it. Most of those songs are probably going to be rock songs and stuff like that anyway. But if we did put together a list of this nature, My Way by Limp Biscuit is probably top two or three, if not number one. Hmm. For a wrestling fan from that era, you remember that song 
And you remember for for this event, especially for WrestleMania 17, it's the biggest WrestleMania of all time. They had the video package before the main event with this song. Mm. Like this was this was legendary, bro. This was. I'm pretty sure if you poll a lot of fans, this will be probably number one on the list for pay-per-view theme songs. Okay, okay. I mean, it's up. There. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, and uh, off the top of my head, I can't really say any, anything that's better that sticks out to me right now, unless it would be like the original ones that didn't have lyrics that WWF made themselves. But <laughs> deadly game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's up there, top five. <laughs> but yeah, we I, that would definitely be interesting to go through. I would have to go back through all of them. I'm sure they're on their Wikipedia pages. <laughs> <laughs> Good old reliable Wikipedia boy, <laughs> helping us out a lot. <laughs> but no, my way it has to be. I think it's like a classic, even though you know. Limp Biscuit and we just talked about earlier that they're not, you know, clearly not they're past their prime uh, as a band. But in 2001, they won't. They had the game on Smash in 2001. Mm-hmm. They had Rolling out. They even had their the hip hop version of Rolling. That's how that's how it goes to show that the hip hop was out here because mm-hmm. they made sure the hip hop version of Rolling. Do you remember I do, that song? I do. I do. Like I vaguely remember it, but I do remember there was a hip hop version. It, DMX and Method Man on there. It was dope. Yeah. Urban Assault Vehicle, I think it was called. (laughs) They just say random stuff after the song. Urban Assault Vehicle or something like that. I think that was the name of that that particular version. I remember hearing that song for the first time. Like, this is the greatest beat I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) I was like 12. I definitely downloaded it with like Kazaa. Best beat ever. Kazaa. I don't know what Kazaa yeah. is. I know LimeWire. It's the same, is same, like exact, same exact service? interface as like Napster and uh, there was another program, Ares, A-R-E-S. That it's same exact interface as uh, like what I use Napster for and then Kazaa. Like I, I guess I would just it was K-A-Z-A-A and I always found like every single song mm. I was looking for on Kazaa and that became my download program for a good Two or three years, so um, that's I, what I, I remember, remember Napster. Most. I I remember Napster. I remember I didn't really use Napster. So I probably a little before I was really surfing the net like that. But what once I got to college, even before a little bit of college, even in high school, LimeWire was where it was at. Yeah, for I use people that, like yeah. me, I guess. LimeWire. Yep. Wasn't there another one of the same type? What was it called? Um, uh. Bearshare, maybe? It was definitely LimeWire. Maybe. Definitely LimeWire was like where it was at. Yeah, like a whole album full of songs. Was it? Uh, for, like, I, I used that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I remember I heard a Celine Dion song the other day that brought me back. And it made me think about, like, Kazaa and what I used to download it. So it's funny that we're talking about Kazaa. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so cool. Kazaa. Never heard of Kazaa. I honestly never heard of that. Maybe mm. I'm a little too young uh-huh. for it to remember. I don't think it was that old. It was like my third or fourth program I used. So. <laughs> and I, I remember I had a change because like they would all be found out and like shut down. But then the, whoever had that yeah, yeah. product code or the code 
HTML or whatever programming code. They would just open a new, uh, make it a new app, basically, and you download it. Didn't mm. care about viruses back then. <laughs> no, you needed, you needed that Limbiscuit song. That's right. Virus? <laughs> no, baby. I even had, bought like CD burner software. I made sure that I was getting that song on my uh-huh. CD. I needed that song. <laughs> that Timbaland and Magoo song, I need that right now. <laughs> Viruses be damned. All right? <laughs> I need hot in here by Nelly, right? I needed Nellyville. I would, I would literally my, search for songs that were like I would search lyrics because I thought that was the name of the song, and they would actually pop up because it knew basically what I was searching for, but that wouldn't be the name of the song. So whenever I see like the title of the song, I'd be like, "What the hell is this?" And it would, it would be the song I was looking for, but I wouldn't realize it. <laughs> All right, you gotta you play it a little bit. Like, oh yeah, this is it. Yeah, and download it. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember those days. Some kids yeah. don't remember having to illegally download music. Couldn't, couldn't Google <laughs> couldn't Google anything back then either. Um, like even if I, no. I don't know if Google was a thing, but even search engines, I just couldn't type in lyrics or whatever. It was like get like no results. So now I can, if I hear a lyric, I can just Google it and know what song it is, or just use Shazam. Yeah. Shazam. And mm. back in the day, we had Ask Jeeves, and that was it. Mm. That's all we had. Right. If G's didn't know the answer, then we were stuck. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. That's it. I'll be listening to the radio and then run to my computer to try and remember the lyric that I heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hot in, in there or here. <laughs> Damn it, I forgot. No results for hot in there. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> me and my girlfriend talked about this too. Like, How did people settle arguments before Google? Like... Cause now you're just like, oh yeah, oh you think I don't? You, I know I'm right. Oh yeah, Google it right now. See what if you're right. Like back in the day, you just had to like just trust people, and yeah. <laughs> like, and whether they were right or wrong or not, you could just whip out the encyclopedia right then and there and just be like, oh, I'm gonna search it right now. Like <laughs> with Google, you could just search it up. That's right. I used to have an Encyclopedia Britannica collection. I think my mom got it. Oh, uh, I think we all did. And there, oh, did we? Was it like? Oh, oh I had okay. a bunch. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know I mean, that was well, a thing. I mean, maybe not everybody. I mean, I feel like every, a lot of people did, though, because that's how you found out things. Right. I like mean, that's how we would do reports and had from, the, from home. Yeah. And it had the disc, the, the CD-ROM encyclopedias. I, I didn't have that. The Britannicas. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. you didn't get the CD-ROM so we, joints, right? We, it only had a certain, you had like five <laughs> discs and stuff. You had to put them pop, pop in different discs depending on what you were searching. I'm pretty sure we got the Encyclopedia Britannica in like 92 or 91, whenever we moved to Jersey, because I don't remember it being in our South Philly home. It might have been, but uh, I remember we had, like, the bookshelf with all the encyclopedias, and we had a globe on top of it, so I would, like, look at the globe. Oh, yeah. It was like... Of course. We, we were a... Uh, this is a smart corner. <laughs> yeah. Nobody went there. Like, not even... Not my <laughs> sister, not me, not my parents. It was, like, <laughs> we, it was just there for show when people would come over. <laughs> But yeah, no, I I used these, these books, encyclopedias a couple right times. Here. Yeah, I, I was mostly like in the library at school doing my stuff. I didn't like doing research at home, so I tried to do as much as I could while I was in school. But even though we had the Britannica, yeah, I maybe used it a handful of times throughout my educational years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 
I was another household I was fortunate enough to have encyclopedias in it. And like I said, the disc versions, CD-ROM versions of the encyclopedia. But moving on. It is time now for the main event of the evening for No Way Out in 2001. WWF Championship, The Rock versus Kurt Angle 2, the best athletes in WWF, going at it one-on-one. And man, this was a great match. It was a great match to see two guys at the top of the games going at it. Before the match, though, we had a video package from WWF, of course, where you hear a lot of The Rock saying, TikTok, TikTok, time is running down, Kurt Angle. And thinking like, man, did The Rock invent TikTok? Did he invent that <laughs> as a streaming, as a, as a, as a social platform? He's got, he's got SmackDown on, under the WWE brand. He's got TikTok going global as a social media brand. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's all The Rock. Right. He invented TikTok. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Twenty years now, twenty years later, it's the biggest thing. We gotta look for you know uh, his old throughout his whole promo, his old promos. Listen to them and see if he ever mentioned Facebook or Twitter in one of his promos. <laughs> <laughs> he probably does. We just didn't even, didn't even notice it. He's you just out like, here. You know, Twitter over there, and you're like, oh, the rocks at Twitter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the smackdown on your Facebook. It's like what? <laughs> Did he just mention? Him? <laughs> oh wow, he's out here predicting things like Nostradamus. That's right, <laughs> Rockstradamus. Rock that- there you go, Rockstradamus. Does that make sense? Does that does that did that work? Does that pull that off? Yeah, I have. It does. Okay, I appreciate you, Rockstradamus. It's perfect. <laughs> Before the match, though, we got the entrances, and I love the shots of the Rock and Kurt Angle like staring each other down during the entrance. Like and maybe because WWF didn't like switch shots every two seconds, they would let the shot oh, breathe yeah. for like a good like five, yeah. ten seconds. So you can really get a good look at the person's eyes and what they're looking at. Then they switch to somebody else. I thought that was dope. And again, I thought they were having a great match. They're both over. They're both of them in their prime, the top of their games. And then Big Show came out. <laughs> and then choke slammed everybody in the ring, including the referee. And then he left. By the way, the Kurt Angle came out first, which is weird. Yeah, he's a champ. He should have come out first, but that's if if we were smart fans at that <laughs> point, we would have realized like, oh, he's losing tonight. <laughs> oh, listen, my mom was the first one to bring to ever bring that to my attention. Well before this, she'd be like, "Why is the champion coming out first? And because this happened before this, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I'd just be like, "Why does that matter?" And then I would think back, like Hulk Hogan when he was champion, he would always come out second, but he was Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait, Stone Cold Steve Austin would always come out second. Wait a second, like my mom's onto something." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it always stuck out to me when the champion wouldn't come out first, and now obviously, uh, other fans that have their social media, <laughs> they just plaster it all over the place. Like God, God forbid, I Drew McIntyre comes out first nowadays, or Roman Reigns. Like you'll definitely hear all about it. I particularly remember Backlash 2000 again, mm. Triple H coming out first for that match, but mainly because they had the promo where Vince McMahon was like, "The card is subject to change," and then The Rock comes out, <laughs> but The Rock won that night. Yeah, <laughs> so like, yeah. Champion comes out first. He's probably gonna lose that night. That's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. safe bet. Yeah. It might not be a. It's not not a guarantee. But it's a good bet. 
sit back. Uh, but Big Show, what the hell was this Big Show? So I understand The Rock beat him for yeah. the title shot at No Way Out. Yeah, it made but no go sense. Ahead. I, I know you had a lot of stuff to say about Big Show. If uh, you had some stuff to say. Nah, it, just, it didn't make sense. You know, his the music. Like, what? You need this music to, to hit for him to come out? And then, like, Kyoto not even, like, really paying attention. And then him getting chokeslammed. It's like, what? Well, what the hell? Um, I, I mean, it makes sense because... If he were to do it to angle a rock first, then obviously a DQ. But um, it just, yeah, it didn't make. And then the music again when he leaves. <laughs> I just did not understand this, and I've tried to remember like the storylines surrounding that time. They didn't mention anything about Angle or the Rock during the hardcore match when the Big Show was in there. So it wasn't even like hinted at. It was no foreshadowing, unless I missed it. But like I would have remembered that. I thought if they brought up like. Oh, the Big Show is really angry about this with The Rock or Kurt Angle or whatever, but they never did it. And I don't think he was even involved in anything leading to WrestleMania. When, no. Like The Rock or Kurt Big Angle. Big Show was so. in the triple threat match for the hardcore title right. at WrestleMania, which right. is like, so, that's what's so jarring. It's like, yeah. all right, y'all setting him up to be involved in the title picture, but then he's in a triple threat match for the hardcore championship. He doesn't even win the match. I don't know if he was even the champion going into the match. See, I don't either. I think I thought Raven maybe, was. I think, but. I think Raven was a champion going into that match. So at some point, he loses the hardcore championship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and he's going back after it. So it's like, and then for the rest of the year, he wasn't really involved in a whole lot. Yeah, like, I mean, he was he was involved, but it wasn't like right. It wasn't like something heavy though. He wasn't right. at the top of the card. He was not. He was in that uh, Survivor Series match, mm-hmm. right? Because representing the Alliance was <laughs> the best of WCW and ECW had to offer, which was Big Show, Booker T, Shane McMahon. <laughs> uh, he was uh, on the WWF side, so he was like a baby oh, Big face, Show but, was. But that's it, true. He, he was I, Shane McMahon was definitely on the Alliance side. Yes, yes. It was so. Kurt Angle, Steve Austin, Booker T, yeah. Rob Van Dam, and Shane McMahon. Yeah, Kurt Angle and Steve Austin yeah. on WCW. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I forgot because the, the, the WWF side had Kane, Undertaker, and Big Show, and then Rock and Jericho. Yeah. You're right. Mm. Right. Yeah, that was a that was a team. Shane mm. McMahon was on this alliance team. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's not a wrestler. Why? <sighs> you, you couldn't have got Lance Storm in there or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 so, uh, Paul Palum, what's, it, what's his name? Um uh, is it Palumbo? Chuck Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo, yeah. Couldn't get Chuck Palumbo. Former WCW there? champion, Chuck Palumbo. Actually, what? I don't, he I don't, Well, I don't think they ever recognized it, but he did win the title on a Nitro. And then they had, like, either restarted the match or, like, a separate match, and he wound up losing to, I think it was Booker T or something. But I remember I was on IRC oh, that night, and everyone was going nuts. There was, like, somebody that changed their <laughs> screen name to WCW champion, Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> <laughs> So I definitely, they definitely got us talking that night, but yeah, that's hilarious. Changed your screen name, Chuck Palumbo. They <laughs> <laughs> must have been a real big Chuck Palumbo fan. They must have. Remember they tried to bring him back in like late aughts WWE as like a biker. Yes, he's like because yes. he because he was known for like he, I think he owned his own custom biker shop. So there's like that's your character. <laughs> like, you make bikes. You make motorcycles. I don't even remember you know, how long so that lasted. That lasted like maybe a couple months. Because mm. he'd ride the motorcycle to the ring. Mm. Chuck Palumbo. How about that? But back to this match. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Big Show comes out, chokeslams everybody for no reason. Just, this went nowhere. No, not at all. Mike Kyoto, the referee, is all messed up. He got chokeslammed. <laughs> so now referees are in the ring helping him get out of the ring because he can't continue the match. He got chokeslammed. He's done. He's out of commission. Who were the refs? One was Earl Hebner. Ah, uh, okay. The other was, was it Teddy Long? I think Tim, it was. Tim White. Might have been the other one. Tim White, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Hebner and Tim White are helping Kyoto out of the ring. But it's like a referee's instinct. It's like they can just sense when a <laughs> when a pin is happening. It's like a like like a dog, so they can like they got instincts and they can sense right, things. Right. It's like a referee or like a like a just spidey sense. Earl Hebner has his back turned to the ring. And the spidey referee spidey senses started tingling, started going off. And he can sense that Kurt Angle was trying to pin the rock. So he immediately drops Mike Yoda right where he stood <laughs> and ran back to the ring to count. <laughs> he just had to count. He had to. Like, that's the priority. That Not is. my friend here who's probably suffering from a severe back injury after the choke slam. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Dropped that man. Kyoto went straight to the ground. Tim White's like, "What the he hell, did. bro? He you you helping me?" He <laughs> <laughs> Abner just worried about the money. I guess whoever counts the pen just, gets the money. He's just a referee. He just it's like it's instinct. It's like I gotta count. I gotta. I can't. There's a pin. Gotta count it. Like <laughs> if he's in the grocery store, and somebody's getting pinned. He's gonna just jump down and count. That's right. Like, no matter where he is, he just can't help it. He's just wired that way. Cause that's that's how referees are wired, man. That's just you know a referee in his life. You know, <laughs> he'd be a perfect be ref for the twenty four seven title. For real, he's just ready all the time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> the Rock kicked out of this pin attempt he, from he Kurt did. Angle. Mm-hmm. Hebner goes back to <laughs> he just goes right okay. back to him. He just he all just right, goes well, right back. No more pins. The, so. the match is still ongoing. They still need a referee, but all right, let me get my homie. You know what I'm saying? They good. They 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 knocked out. They don't need me for it right now. I'm gonna go back to Kyoto. That's my guy, my fallen comrade here. <laughs> <laughs> so then, because there's no referee, now the Rock hits Kurt Angle with the title belt. Boom. Not necessarily a babyface thing to no, do, but no, you know not. this was the attitude there. They didn't. People didn't give a damn back in the day. Hebner still having the urge to count <laughs> leaves Kyoto again. <laughs> But he also he's like, y'all good time. this time, y'all good, y'all don't need me, y'all, but you be alright, yo. Yeah, he shoes him away. He does not fall this time, he's got his bearings about. <laughs> he did, he's like, get out of here, go ahead, y'all got it. You'll be alright. Did you die, Kyoto? Did you die? Are you dead? Alright, cool, you'll be alright. Let me go count real quick. <laughs> Let me go count to three real quick. <laughs> the first time he left him and he fell, I was on the he floor did. laughing. Yeah, I'm not that, was, that was good. I was like, okay, Earl, you, you got me to laugh. Funny. <laughs> so stupid, just left his homie hanging. <laughs> so then, <sighs> Rock hits the people's elbow. Mm. The people's elbow. Kurt Angle kicks out. Angle hits Rock with the Olympic slam after getting his head shoved or slammed into the exposed turnbuckle. Kurt Angle exposed the turnbuckle. Mm. Hit the Rock, you know, into the turnbuckle. What a heel. And then hit the Olympic slam, but the Rock kicked out anyway. Hmm. Then things get kind of weird because Rock hits a rock bottom. Mm. Right? Yeah. Hebner counts one, two, and just stopped. 
and looked at Kurt Angle's shoulders like, nope, it's not, it's up, it's not down. Kurt Angle did not move. <laughs> Stop Kurt the Angle count. Kurt didn't move a muscle. Stop the count. He's, he's, he did. <laughs> Donald Trump wished he had Earl Hebner counting these votes. He would have stopped. Like, Wait a second, something's wrong here. Instead, there's nothing wrong. Instead, there's some, there's nothing wrong. Kept counting. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Earl Hebner just made up something that was wrong. Nope, uh, I see it. I see, nobody's like nobody else sees it. Like, no, I don't see it. And he stopped the count. <laughs> he, he did. So the Rock said, "You know what? <laughs> I'm going to rock bottom him again. And this time, you better count." It's like if Joe Biden was like, look, we're going to do this election again. And you better count these votes. They're going to vote again for me. <laughs> so the Rock picks Kurt Angle up, hits him with another rock bottom. Boom. Looks up at Earl Hebner and he cusses us out. Said, something. I don't know what he said. He stared a he whole He said through. something to him, though. He did. He did. <laughs> right. Instead, he yelled at You stupid. Earl Hebner, you better count this time, bro. And Earl Hebner counted and counted to three. And The Rock was once again the WWF champion. He had that, like, Essie didn't grin on his face when he called for the bell. Earl was like, yeah, I screwed up. Here's, ring the bell after the three count. I just, (sighs) like, listen, I watched this, and I kind of, like, chuckled to myself. I was like, there's no way Earl did that. And I remember watching it live, thinking it was weird or whatever, but I never really went back to it. I was like, The Rock's champion. I'm happy, whatever. And watching this live again, and I totally forget that it happened. I just sat back and laughed, and I was like, that is my, uh, like, the epitome of an example I can use to just tell people that Earl Hebner is a terrible referee. I don't need to, I just need that video. I don't need the still frame of him not even looking at the shoulders again. I don't need any. Uh, I don't need him looking for the camera before he starts trying to break up Steve Austin, putting the boots to Triple H, and the six man hell in a cell. I don't need any of that. I could just use this, where he literally stops the count with Kurt Angle not even kicking out. Which was, by the way, that was probably the ending because it was literally like the, the way things were booked back then. That I don't think Kurt Angle necessarily messed it up. Now, if they've talked about this finish before and I and that was cleared up, I haven't heard it. But that definitely seemed like the ending to the match. That Earl Hebner was like, no, 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 no. You guys are going to continue. <laughs> yeah, they continued with one more move, and that was the end of the match. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's like, what are you trying it's to do, done. Earl? You want, to, you want the clock or something? Like, come on. Yeah, I... I don't know what happens. Just stop counting. Like his brother was probably Kurt still selling WWF merchandise somewhere. Ooh! <laughs> 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 it was just like I cannot believe what I saw. I was like, "Of such a great match!" By the way, this main event was spectacular. Attitude Era level awesomeness. The Big Show thing, notwithstanding, which yeah, had no place weird. in it. Great, the crowd was hot the whole time. Like, yep. it was just, it reminded me of just how much that era was awesome when it was really good. Obviously, there were things that we've talked about on this podcast through the years that do not hold up well. And this particular match is one that does hold up well, obviously, minus the big show. <laughs> but <laughs> that 
just the I mean it doesn't ruin it for me, but man, Earl Hebner. I wonder if he ever apologized for that because the way The Rock looked at him after the second one, second rock bottom, I started like I audibly laughed. I was like, I we don't see what he said, <laughs> but man, I could just imagine, and it was great. Get your stupid ass down here and count this time. <laughs> like, what are you doing? We, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> we only got three hours for this pay per view, bro. We gotta go. What is you doing? Quite literally, he so. stopped the count. Unbelievable. Just stopped it. Just stopped it. But that is No Way Out 2001. Any final thoughts on the show to wrap it up yeah, before we yeah. wrap it I mean, up here on episode 271? You had Kurt Angle so upset that he lost. He was crying on the ramp. Crying. And he, it was. He's, he cried in a limo after the show. Did he? Okay. So. I'm, JR, no, I'm saying, like, just in general. He probably did. <laughs> JR just calling him a big old baby. Oh, it broke my heart, man. I was like, nothing was more important to Kurt Angle than that WWF title, man. And I, I respect that. And he was heartbroken that he lost it. Obviously, back in 2001, I was like, ha ha, you big baby. But I was like, oh, come on, JR. That's your boy, Kurt Angle. Come on. Have some respect. <laughs> Mike Kyoto, by the way, would not have no made out, that you- mess up. That Earl did. That's, that's what I, okay, I, I made note of this. I don't understand that. That whole Big Show thing probably led to Earl screwing up the ending because Earl was not the referee <laughs> originally. Mike Kyoto knew the layout. Mike Kyoto would not have made that mistake. So whoever made this Big Show cameo happen deserves all the blame, including Earl Hebner. So Vince McMahon? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. If it was that's, him, yeah. <laughs> that's usually who it is. But, um... No, we had 2001. A fun show to watch. It was, a, it was an easy show to watch. You, you know, it was three hours, but, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it took, it, it took a lot of time. It was still a, a easy watch. Again, like you said, WWF was very good at this point. I mean, they had good, a lot of talent. The fans were into it. Everybody was over. And the matches were good. It wasn't like they were just, like, getting by just because they were, you know, everybody liked it. No, they were actually working hard and putting in good matches. The Intercontinental title match was very good. The Three Stages of Hell match was very good. The main event was very good. Hell, even the tables match was pretty good, you know, despite Rikishi and Haku getting involved or whatever. Uh, but even that was very good. So, it really wasn't too much bad on the show outside of Lawler and Steven Richards. That was terrible. Yeah. But this was a good show. Yeah. And it's just like, man, like... It gets hit or miss a lot over the years, <laughs> over the last 20 years, when it's like, bro, this was a lot of fun. So thank you to the patron patrons out there for requesting No Way Out 2001. Uh, this is a good choice. This is a very good choice. And if you want us to review or deep dive something in the near future, we can go over to patreon.com slash radio and request a show for us to check out. Or any wrestling-related piece of content. It could be a movie. It could be... Uh, what are we going to talk about? Celebrity deathmatch. It could be a music video. <laughs> wrestling related content. If you got something that you want us to break down and deep dive on and laugh at and say how terrible it is, say how great it is, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Go over there. Hit us up. 
make your request, and we will fulfill it. So, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Pacone on Twitter, and we can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. You can listen to this podcast at phillyinfluencer.com along with all your Philly sports and podcasts listening needs and at phillyvoice.com. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me on there, you might be able to find me out here in these streets, but probably not because, again, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But you'll find my writing at philadelphiaeagles.com. Uh, just put up recently for Black History Month a very in-depth story about one of the first players in Eagles history. His name is Ralph Golston, and we talk about him and how it was to be a trailblazer out here in, in, uh, in the NFL as the first one of the first two black players on the team. Uh, and while we always try to, you know, paint trailblazers in a positive light, as they should be painted in a positive light, but, you know, trailblazing isn't as easy as it looks, you know, because, you, you know, like, like I said on Twitter, uh, the racism doesn't just end when somebody breaks a color barrier. So I got a chance to talk to a couple of Ralph Golson's family members because he's unfortunately has passed on. Uh, so but he's still a lot of family members around that can tell his story, including his wife. He was 92 years old. Uh, so talk to her. And she told a lot of stuff, a lot of stories about how it was to be one of only two players on the roster at that point who were African-American uh, in the 1950s, the early 1950s, 1952. And I think he played for a couple more seasons after that before going to the Canadian Football League. So if you want to check that all out, uh, it's a real story. It's a raw story. It doesn't paint necessarily a pretty picture of the time period. But, you know, it wasn't a whole lot prettier about the time period. Um, that they were living in. Um, so yeah, you know, sometimes I know some people look at, you know, you know, teams and stuff getting integrated and think of, oh, it's great and it's good. You know, it's just like, remember the Titans, right? They all eventually came together in the end. Wasn't always like that (laughs) in real life. So go check that out. PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But until next time for Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 271 of the Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.